0: Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Welcome to The Reason We Learn. I'm your host, Deb Philman, and this is the channel where you get all the news about education. Well, not all the news, but you get news about everything happening in education (laughs) and analysis and also, I hope, help if you are trying to disengage from the institutions right now that are in crisis. If you are not currently a subscriber to the channel, please consider becoming a subscriber so you get notified when I make other videos and have other interviews and like this video right now and share it so we can get more people involved in the conversation as it's happening live. For those of you coming in on the replay, thank you for listening. These are always important. I hope informative. I hope they help educate you about what is happening in education and in other realms and institutions that touch on education, like politics, which is what we're going to be discussing today with my guest, Unwookable. Um, So you've been on this channel before and you've talked to us about the politics of this situation. First of all, can you give us a quick intro again as to who you are in case people aren't familiar with you, what your involvement is with education, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we're going to jump right into this because he's got a lot to tell us that is kind of breaking, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, Well,
1: I'm a a career teacher, certified teacher, Oklahoma, um, and have also been in graduate school at the University of Oklahoma through the critical turn uh, that kind of began in 2017, 18, and has- you know, continued up until the present day. Um, I've been in, in-depthly involved in uh, briefing leaders on what critical race theory is, how it manifests, what its purpose are, you know, and, and the apparatuses that support it. Um, I was the first person to, to brief Governor Stitt audit here in Oklahoma, the Secretary of Education, who I'm going to mention today, and uh, have done some good things, um and my goal is to i think like everyone that you speak to and that your goal is to stem the tide of this so it doesn't do uh irreparable damage to our society culture and education system through our education
0: system so right.
1: yeah and um, um so go ahead sorry yeah no i'm, I'm a music educator by trade so Um, I, I've dived into this, uh, from that aspect, but, um, my recent work has been more in, uh, education policy and, and how to deal with it on that level.
0: Right. And for those who missed the last show that we did, I I would recommend you go check it out because you did touch on how music is so important, um, Mm -hmm. in terms of, indoctrination and, and passing on certain ideas uh it's used especially with our young children but all at all ages um mm-hmm. quite effectively isn't it to yeah, get no, certain no. ideas going and so forth right well, so it, uh, it, in it, case it, it, anyone's it, it, wondering like music teacher how does this work <laughs>
1: <laughs> well music is the universal language and if it's corrupted you've got a problem so um <laughs> but i i i digress on that i i what I want to talk to you about today, I want to tell your, your listeners is something to be watching for in your states that I think is probably happening in your more conservative states. Um, and I first the first thing I want to say here is that you know, I'm going to use Oklahoma and Oklahoma politicians as examples of this, um, but not because I'm impugning their intentions. Okay, I don't want to say that. Okay, well, they're absolutely, you know, completely crypto woke, rhino, whatever pejorative you want to use. I think that it, trying to impugn someone's intentions or say get you into a lot of hairiness, and and I don't, I still want to believe in the innate goodness of man, and and that people don't lie outright. But <laughs> um, there are some concerning things that I think I know that people also do. You know, so shows and eats and right. Good and evil, right down the heart of every person. So, and especially when you get self-interest or political interest involved in that conversation, um, whether it be for the the gaining and keeping of power, or for your own monetary uh, stability, or just popularity, whatever it can be, that the innate political system that wraps itself around education, okay, is innately corrupt, right? I mean, because people are innately kind of corrupt uh, or at least to a certain extent. And well, the
0: incentives are kind yes. of set up that way. And um, if it's all right, I wanted to touch on something you just said before we get too far past yes, it. Hmm? Um, you said that, you know, you, you, you don't want to impugn the motors or thing. And I, I, I'm right there with you most of the time, but what I've learned doing this work is that ignorance like when you're ignorant of what a problem really is and you don't take the time, like the incentives are such that you're more incentivized to keep going the direction you're going than to stop and learn something new or reassess or make sure you understand. Sometimes the biggest evil or, you know, the worst things people do, they do because they're ignorant because they don't, they they get a little bit of understanding and they run with it and they Mm -hmm. don't fully understand. And what I've seen and tell me if you've seen this too, is that when it comes to politicians, um, especially those that we would like to believe are, you know, aligned in terms of fighting woke ideas. Let's say, okay, mm-hmm. that they just don't know what they don't know. Yep. There's a yep. lot of a lot of that that I'm seeing.
1: Yes, and to build off of that, they don't know what they don't know, and then when they find out, they're very hesitant, if not completely unwilling, to change course, and. And you get that from the kind of old media that's still, as much as people say you know, YouTube or whatever, uh, old media still drives the horse. It still steers what's happening. And so they, they, especially people who are, you know, I would say over forty and politicians and stuff who are definitely in their in their elder years. But you see this in Biden or whatever. But they they wrap everything kind of around a message calendar. And so therefore, if something changes in a policy that they've decided to put their administration behind, right? If they find out new information, they're already invested time, money, favors, uh, you know, other commitments related to other issues that disincentivize them from changing course based upon objective data. Right. And, and, that's kind of what has happened here in in Oklahoma, I think, and 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 that's what I want to talk about. Is that intentions are good. I, I honestly do believe that, but the kind of you know that they, they do not want to steer an already moving ship very slowly. <laughs> you know, it's, it, and and they feel that there can be some very damaging political. Ramifications to that, if they do. But what I also think they don't know or don't understand is that unless they decide to do that, they're going to be in much worse shape if they don't. You know, so it, it's it's you're going to pay a price, right? right? Um, anytime you do a change, anytime you take a bold stand against something. There's going to be uh, a certain inherent sacrifice on levels on multiple levels, but usually, if it's being pointed the right direction at the top, right, right, and that's the worst nightmare for any politician. So, what I'm seeing here that concerns me is kind of any effort that can be made to point the accountability for what's happening down to the bottom of of the of the of the ladder, so to speak. I'll use the bottom is that
0: teachers or parents?
1: (laughs) Teachers. But teachers, well see I think I think the woke apparatus goes after parents. Right? The conservative apparatus has a tendency to go towards teachers and place the responsibility on them. But what's ignored is what Vivek Ramaswamy calls that managerial class. And in education, Mm -hmm. that is your administrators, your superintendents, your now your DEI officers, right? And so, I mean,
0: commissars. Sorry, commissars.
1: Okay. Yes, excuse me. Yes, okay. and we will start using that. All, uh, all genuflect to James Lindsay there because he's exactly right, right? And what I think people don't realize, they think you know, they go back to schoolhouse rock. I'm a music guy, right? And a oh, bill is a bill, and it's passed, and then it's Capitol Hill, right? And then they think it just goes from that passed bill directly to the contact with the people. That That's the understanding colloquially in most Americans. Right. But between the law being passed and the people is this giant cavern of public policy, and the people who administrate the public policy. And this is where I'm going to, uh, to to really lay out some information here today, is that Oklahoma, for example, a lot of the Constitution was written after a socialist communist kind of physical uprising in the early 20th century. And during an election right around the uh, 1910s, there was a huge number of them elected to the Oklahoma State House government and they 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 really influenced the Oklahoma constitution and created this giant administrative state that's i think much bigger than other red states especially between the elected officials and the people and that's where the public policy sits right and politicians will rail against this all the time, whether it's at the federal level, it's all the swamp, the deep the deep state, whatever you want to call it. It's the managerial class. And they use that class as cover. COVID is the perfect example of this. Um, uh, and then I'll get into my hard examples when it comes to CRT and those issues. But but mm-hmm. COVID, they, they got away with everything they did because they said the scientists say to do it. Right? And they said, well, I can't argue with science, right? right. You know, I, I, I'm going to push it here. It's Fauci. It's, it's you know, whomever. It's the, the czar at the college, whatever it may be. They say this. So therefore, it's not really me. I'm doing it. I'm the power here. I'm handing and advocating that over to this unelected official. And they're administrating. Okay, but where the politicians do have direct power is who they put in. In those positions, yeah. And there, here is my beef. I have been working for about eight months on defunding DEI at the University of Oklahoma because I believe just, uh, just like I said, I just spoke to Carrie Smith a little bit about this, and 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 if if you point the, for lack of a better word, the fire at the correct apparatus you're going to get the most bang for your buck right if you if you're constantly just going after individual instances in classrooms with specific professors or teachers you're you're playing whack-a-mole right you're putting out fires those serve a very good purpose politically though in that you can raise ire and raise awareness okay that's good but if the focus Of the power structures that can actually help us end this, stay there. It becomes just another buffer zone and gives people things to run on, okay, or to implement other policies. That uh, you know whether you want to talk about school choice or or whatever you know, and I I don't want to debate all that. But what has happened here? Just recently, our secretary of education, great guy, um, really, he's a teacher. He was. His name is Ryan Walters, wrote an op-ed uh, for Fox News. And it was, the, the headline was, Teachers Stop Going Woke. Now, Oklahoma's done some good things. Governor signed 1775, the anti-CRT bill. The rules just got approved, but they're bulky and they're dense and they're not easily applicable. And yeah. And the administrative apparatuses... Since 75 was passed and just recently, when the which is over a year ago now, I think, um, and when the rules became ineffective, which is just like in the last couple of weeks, they've worked around all the rules. They, they, they found ways because they're an administrative animal. So he wrote this op-ed that says, you know, teachers stop going woke. And immediately it hit me wrong. You know, and that's not just because I'm a teacher. How can you... Place the, the onus on a teacher right. when you, as a, a representative of education for the executive branch of the state government, refuse to go after, by name directly, the bureaucratic arm that is forcing teachers to do this. Right. right? I'm not saying that, there, I mean, there are tons of true believers and there are more and more as time goes on because they're being mm-hmm. filled with, you know, teachers that are being indoctrinated in this in college, but there's still the old guard, some of them left. And if they want to keep their job, DEI mandates that they do embed this ideology and praxis of the ideology in everything that they do. And then you look at your teachers and you say, stop going woke. Right. That's upsetting to me that's upsetting to me because i feel like you're pointing the responsibility away from yourself and for some reason it's it's incredibly difficult to get them to call out dei by name or 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 make the appointments necessary in like say the boards of regents or you mm-hmm. know the the boards of education or the other upper, uh, other administrative apparatuses to actually put these things in check Mm -hmm. because those are the people that actually do it. You know, the OU Board of Regents could defund DEI tomorrow. Right. but But they won't because the people that the governor has appointed, and here's the big thing, the governor just appointed a gentleman to the OU Board of Regents that is explicitly runs a company that makes money and pushes this, they, they call it the support of the diversity teacher pipeline is literally what they call it. And I've spent a year now working with the governor, working with the secretary of education, telling them that if if OU would defund DEI from the board of regent level, which are the only ones that can do it uh, constitutionally, it would set off a firestorm in colleges across the country and it would cut off that pipeline. Because what
0: do you go ahead. You can finish your thought because, but I wanted to ask you about this. Gracie okay. says, but we cannot go after Board of Regents when AMA, ACA, and APA wrote this into accreditation law. So those are just three associations. There are probably others. When the professional associations that universities also kind of answer to, if you will, say, Mm -hmm. we're not going to accredit you as a school of X, you know, whatever the subject is, Mm -hmm. um, so that your graduates will not have our, you know, special (laughs) approval. um, That's pressure too. There's an incentive. They've written it. She's quite correct. They've written it into their accreditation, just like NAIS has written it in for private schools. So Mm -hmm. what do you do about that?
1: well i think again the accreditation it's it's like it's like money right it's only worth what we say it's worth right if you had if you had a d1 university like the university of oklahoma defund this ideology take it out of their college of education and say any teacher who teaches in oklahoma doesn't need this kind of accredited. They don't need this stamp of approval because we're giving you the Oklahoma state stamp of approval and boom. And Oklahoma has its own. Um, and this makes more sense, uh, but Oklahoma has its own teacher certification tests. So they don't use practice one and practice two. They just recently passed using it for, for the practice two test, I believe. But before that it was just the Oklahoma tests. So if you're certified to teach in the state of Oklahoma, you're certified to teach in the state of Oklahoma, and and it doesn't matter if they are cre- if these institutions are are you know baptizing the OU College of, of Education. It has its own authority, uh, so I, I, I that would be my answer to that because I do in AIS and and all of that is is why I have issues with school choice that want to push everything into a private school model, and here's the the part that's, really frustrating is that the governor really got behind school choice here in oklahoma pushed it it lost it lost and you wouldn't expect it but it's because of i think there were large issues with rural schools and how that would be affected but the way it was written would not they were selling it as a cure for dei because the free market will fix it
0: and not if their free market's woke. Have they seen Disney lately?
1: <laughs> yes, and that's exactly my thing. It's like, and again, they're not doing this for this year or next year. They're doing it for 20 years from now. When, when the people who are passing all of this will be out of power, dead, or, you know, no longer relevant. And so I'm trying to tell them, look, school choice in and of itself can be a good thing depending on the details of the policy. Okay? And, but... We have an order of operations problem because if you start funding private schools with state money, and oh you also at the same time, which our governor does wants to raise they're teacher already doing salaries. that
0: though.
1: Yeah, yes, yeah. But 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 right, no, they are. But 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 it, it, if we want to raise teacher he wants to at the same time raise teacher salaries to hundred grand a year, how are you gonna pay for them? It's not gonna be through the state funded money. It's going to be through private money. It's going to be through capital campaigns that, you know, you set aside a chunk of it to do this or that or the other. There is the, and when you talk about NAIS or ISAS, the rich private schools, okay, kids, or parents send their kids there because they want their kids to go to the best colleges. And the best colleges, Harvard, Yale, all these ones are the ones pushing this ideology. So the schools have a vested interest. Not just through ESG investing and all that stuff, which it is, but through, hey, I make I bring in more kids because I get them into Harvard. Well, I get them into Harvard by making sure they can write a good DEI statement. Okay. And how do I do that? I put a DEI office in my, you know, see what I'm saying? And so exactly. they've, mis, they've misdiagnosed the problem. But here is the issue that really concerns me. Unlike everyone else, I have inside information that I know for sure that they know the dangers I'm talking about and they're ignoring them to the point that they're appointing people to OU boards of regents or other such entities that are making money off the expansion of DEI in schools. And that, to me, you know, the woke are going to push woke things. You expect that. But when you tell me you want to defund DEI, when you tell me you want to get rid of this in schools, and then you take... And put on the, the the board of regents somebody who's explicitly against that purpose, and you do it two weeks ago or a week ago, right? When you know, when James Lindsay's here, you know and we're briefing you. That I have a problem with. That I have a problem with, and that's what's happening right now. Is that and and this appointment happened the same day that the governor signed the NCAA bill banning transgender, you know. Uh, Participation in in women's sports, and that's great, that's wonderful, but you did it at the same time you put this person on the board, whose whole business model is to, to push that, <laughs> you know. So it's it doesn't make any sense. And
0: it's I you know, and I we, I mentioned before we started that in North Carolina we have sort of similar problems and that we have a Republican superintendent of all you know public construction and has claimed to be against CRT? Claimed to be against all kinds of things, but has people within her inner circle who are making money off SEL mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And then who there there are other connections that I'm not going to bore you with. But I did, if you, if it's all right, I want to go back to one other thing that you mentioned. You used the word force when you talked about teachers being forced to go through these DEI trainings, whatever. And whenever I use the word force on this channel, I get pushback from people who roll their eyes and that sort of engages their this isn't happening, you know, whatever their their little this isn't mm-hmm. happening, gaslight. And so for those who might be caught in the middle saying, okay, well they're saying that Sam I used force, it's a really strong word. Can you I would like to share something, obviously it's anonymous. I can't tell you who sent this to me from a mom. I was very active in the schools where she lives. This happens to be in a different state, not Oklahoma, not North Carolina. And I'm not going to tell you where because I don't want to pinpoint her. A red state, let's just say. And it says, I met with a teacher last night. that, And this woman said she was forced into a struggle session with the DEI coordinator where he had the other teachers line up against a wall by percentage of their personal support for her position. Okay. She didn't want to wear the the, 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 te- the teacher who had a p- position was, I don't want to wear the pride sweatshirt. I don't personally want to wear the rainbow sweatshirt that says our school district is proud with rainbows. She didn't want to do it. What violated her personal values, whatever it was, she just didn't feel like wearing the sweatshirt. So the DEI coordinator had all the other teachers have a session, made the person who didn't want to wear the sweatshirt stand on one side of the wall, and told the other teachers, "Okay, who will go stand with her, and who supports wearing the sweatshirt? Okay,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and this is for sixth graders. This is a, this is middle school. Okay, mm-hmm. and you, no one could talk, no one could even speak to defend this woman. Never mind, they you know had to choose. Am I going to go over there?" And this is the director of DEI, you know, the coordinator. Or am I going to stay over here? I don't know what my job is, but, you know. And you couldn't even Mm -hmm. speak with unless you held the talking stick. And he was using a talking stick that you had to be holding in your hand in order to open your mouth and speak. Now, this happened recently. The consequence Mm -hmm. of this, in other words, it's not ages and ages ago. Very recently.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: This teacher left. She was having like panic attack, she was, she was really traumatized by this whole thing where her, all her fellows just wouldn't stand with her and her, her not wanting to have a compelled speech. She didn't say why she just said, I don't want to wear the sweatshirt. And so she left, she quit. She doesn't want to have anything to do with teaching anymore. She doesn't want to fight. She doesn't want to file a civil rights lawsuit, even though she probably has a case because she's just so, so when we use the word force folks, We're not flippantly using it. It's not hyperbole. Now, does that, mean? and the next person will go, there was no gun to her head. If that is your livelihood, that would be like saying you weren't forced to get the, you know what, to keep your job. Mm -hmm. Right. But weren't you though? If you're told you can't, you're going to now be out in the street, you have no job in the middle of a terrible economy. And maybe this is the, and this woman is a, like you said, a seasoned teacher, been teaching Mm -hmm. for decades. We're not talking about a newbie here. So now the only job she has, her career, over. That is force.
1: Yes. Well, let me, let me add some, I think, important context and nuance to the word force. Okay. Enforcement. Enforcement comes at various levels in different situations. Companies, schools, all have policies that they enforce. Okay. So they enforce whether, okay, and, you know, we talk about law enforcement is the most common, right? When we use that word enforcement. Well, there's even levels there. If you get stopped for a ticket because you're speeding, you just experienced law enforcement. You get a ticket, you go to the, you know, all that comes with a certain enforcement. There's also the enforcement of the fact Mm -hmm. that there is a law. So you're less likely to speak because of the enforcement of the law that you know could come. So when you talk about force, it's not people will want to straw man that into being, you're being held down, waterboarded and forced to wear a rainbow t-shirt. That's a specious, sophistic argument. It doesn't make any, it doesn't garner any nuance of the word force or what enforcement means. So here's what they, when you're talking about enforcement, even not to the level of what you just described, which I think is actual. I mean, that borders on what you would call almost extreme force, I mean you're 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 about a hair away from being physical, right? Because you're doing physical things in, in the enforcement of a dogmatic ideology. Okay. But here, for example, in Norman, Oklahoma, public schools, they have what they call equity walks. Okay. Now, this is not like what you just what you describe as like a privilege walk, right? It's kind of that way where you kind of are no, this is this is more underhanded. Equity walks means that they have commissars, volunteers, sometimes paid, sometimes volunteer, that are spread out through all the schools. And they require teachers in the schools to walk around the hallways and the classrooms of their peers and write down for the DEI office on a Google Doc whether or not uh, there's enough representation of the ideology as depicted and mandated and enforced by the EI on the walls and in the lesson plans and in the books and being displayed to the children everywhere. And they say explicitly in this that this is part of an ongoing effort to institutionalize diversity, equity, inclusion in all aspects of school life. That's enforcement. Now, they're not doing this when the teachers are in the room. They're doing this explicitly when the teachers are not. But it's a reporting mechanism designed to cause an, another level of enforcement, if need be. Because then they can identify what the teachers are and aren't doing. The person who told on them is not in the line of fire. But then your administrator can come in and go, well, well aren't you, why aren't you putting this stuff in your... Um, lesson plans? Why aren't you putting this stuff on your walls? And why aren't you using these materials? Now, just recently, I did. A, I spoke at a meeting where there were three or four 30 year teachers, excellent records. One of them was a former Oklahoma Teacher of the Year for the state. One of them was, uh, to, several of them were uh, for their districts, Teachers of the Year over the course of their career. And they're getting close to retirement. And these are the teachers that we lost because of COVID early, that would have put another five or six or seven years, but these are the ones that stayed even through that, okay, which is not very many. And they are being put on remediation processes in their final years of teaching because they refuse to implant this stuff or, or as Norman Public Schools, and I quote, embed it in everything they do. So most teachers will know that. If a teacher is problematic, just traditionally, you have problems with their real problems, with their subject matter, real problems with their, their methods, real problems with their ability to communicate information. You have what's called remediation, right? You, uh, that's an administrator's job. You say, okay, how can I help you? What can you do to, to, you know, get test scores up or, or, you know, get kids to grasp this concept better? Well, they've shifted that legitimate process onto the, uh, this ideological method of removing teachers. And they're doing it to the older teachers saying, if you don't teach this, we're going to put you under remediation. You're under remediation for two years. You haven't fixed it. You're gone. And in it Oklahoma, it's like right to
0: work. It sounds like It sounds like a re-education camp. Yeah. Either reminds- you either learn. Yeah. It, it, it also sounds like, and I know this is a terrible analogy, but I don't know if you ever saw the movie Office Space. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you remember when Jennifer Aniston, he says, I need to talk to you about your flare." Yes. And about the buttons is. and the flare. And she's like, well, I've got my, I, I've got my 10 pieces or whatever it is. And he's like, mm-hmm, and that, and that's mm-hmm. the minimum. And she's like, okay, okay, good. And she's like, but do you want to just do the minimum? And she's like, do you, so you want me to put on more? Well, it's not that it's just, why would you only want to do the minimum? And it's that tone very often that they start with. They start with this. They, they don't come right out of the gate saying you're a horrible racist and you need to go for remediation. They start with the whole, well, don't you think? And, and so there's a certain percentage of teachers that will be influenced immediately. And so, like, oh, oh, sure. I'll put some more rainbows in the classroom or I'll put some more. They just don't want the problem. So they go mm-hmm. along to get along because they want to just get back to doing what they do, which is teach. And that takes care of probably like 75, 80 percent done. Mm-hmm. Remediated. And then mm-hmm. you have, like you said, the old guard who are saying, I got my flair. I got enough flair. Or I, I really don't believe in flair. I'm not wearing flair. I'm doing my job. The, you know, I get big tips, I'm, whatever. And those are the ones. And mm-hmm. I think it's – tell me if you think I'm paranoid. I think it's a two-step process. One is they really are enforcing their ideology. The other is they are actively seeking to purge the old guard, period. Like no, and it's, it is – the old guard complied there would probably be a second phase to getting rid of them on the off chance they open their mouth and say something like George Washington wasn't Satan you know
1: yeah Mm -hmm. well discrimination is equity in practice and the only way that you can create equity on the back end or the outcomes is to discriminate on the front end that's what Kennedy says so and he uses that as 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 anti-racism is explicitly defined in terms of public policy either you support anti-racist policies as an anti-racist or you support racist policies as a racist and and those policies just like he says the only remedy is discrimination so they in order to homogenize any institution they employ various levels of enforcement via discrimination and and so that 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 is the only way you can create the equity as they determine it you know and And this is where it gets sticky. No, what were you going to say?
0: Every time I hear the Kendi thing, Mm -hmm. and I've read it, I've heard it, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's been out there, and I know that millions of people have read his books, Mm -hmm. but what's so hard for me is I hear that, and I immediately hear, I would like to destroy the United States of America, Mm -hmm. as we know it, because Mm -hmm. the American experiment what made it truly unique in all the world was equality under the law true equality under the law like from the president all the way down to the lowliest homeless person in the street equality under the law didn't matter what race you were etc certainly after the civil rights act okay and Mm -hmm. that was the more perfect union Was getting to that, not perfect equality of outcome of what, how much stuff you have, but the idea that you are politically 100% equal, Mm -hmm. that you, under the law, nobody has, you know, trial by jury, all these things. And what this man is essentially saying in one or two sentences is, we need to do away with the thing that makes us America. Mm
1: -hmm. That's what I he said that in Politico. Recently. See, this is this is if you read his Politico article about the DOA, where the Department of Anti-Racism, the DOA is the federal version of a DEI office. It every everything he describes in there, having purview over every policy at every level, having the ability to really not be checked by your administration because if you do, there's going to be a backlash against it. And, um, it. Every DEI office is an incubator for what that is going to be in 20 years if we don't stop it. Because eventually, and this is what I'm telling, I'm trying to tell the governor, I'm trying to tell the people here who are pushing school choice as a fix for this when it's not, that they, in seven years, at the end of this new Board of Regents term, okay, the, 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 the point person that they just appointed, at the end of that year, the people who are pushing this, especially the older ones, are going to lose their grip on being the most active political group in the country. And that not won't be replaced by people my age or even your age. It's, it, I don't know how far apart we are, but it, it's going to be replaced by the 20 to 27 year olds because they are now being told as a matter of morality, in order to do good and be good, they must tithe in the ballot box. And so, and they, so, and they will do that at every level and they'll do it remarkably consistently because again, if, if that is how you attain your moral goodness is to be for anti-racist policies and for anti-racist politicians and such, then you're going to have more, it's human nature. You're going to have more people that don't more people that do that don't than don't show up and make that tithe. Right. You know, and so, and th- th- this is what they don't understand. And I honestly believe they do not uh, either they're profiting off of it and they're completely corrupt, which there is evidence to show that I haven't made a conclusion, but as soon as I do, <laughs> I if, if I that comes about and I can prove it, I'm gonna, or they're so they're committed to doing it but they have so many intrinsic incentives that go against it because they want to do stem here or they want to you know when you brought up sel the governor of oklahoma is pushing sel right now his own program that claims to be able to scientifically measure hope now i've spoken with him it's innately good. SEL started out as not a necessarily a bad thing, right? That, that Teaching kids how to manage their emotions and things like that, but it's been weaponized. And if you don't deal with the DEI offices and the administrative apparatus and you put in your great SEL program that's you know going to measure hope and teach kids uh, to be relying on themselves and be more self-sufficient and manage their emotions it's not going to take long before your woke administrator to go in and go yeah we're just going to switch the curriculum this year you know and and you won't be watching it because you'll have moved on to other issues or whatever it may be and it it immediately gets weaponized against you and so but there are people close to the governor and to others that are that are pushing this and making money off of it and that causes me issues because i would much rather Deal, be in a blue state and deal with the people that I know want this than people that are either duplicitous or ignorant and won't listen and are pushing it behind the scenes while claiming to be, you know, so anti-CRT. So that to me is untenable because it means that the woke or the, the blue states, which are further gone, mm-hmm. are not actually the focus for the left. It means that they're they have all their chips in on a manipulating the the neocon middle in these red states.
0: They do. I would argue that is the case. Yes, I the worst, the absolute worst stuff I've seen, like this thing I just told you about um, Mm -hmm. has not come out. I mean, I've seen some of the worst professional trainings come out Mm -hmm. of the blue states i've seen some Mm -hmm. of the worst documentation and and teacher practices as far as the teachers saying what they want to do uh and the ethnic studies programs and curriculums and the math programs and curriculums but as far as on the ground abuse of teachers Mm -hmm. um i and and students and things like that i have seen it in some of the most oddball places idaho kansas Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, Texas, Oklahoma, Austin, Texas, Oklahoma, yep. you know, people really need to. We talked about it last time, you know, fighting the woke in, in the red state. Um, mm-hmm. It really we need to understand there's two two things here. One. What happens in those giant, heavily populated blue states does matter in, in, in the red states because it becomes mainstream. That's where things get mainstream. That's where it comes into Hollywood, Disney, yep. etc. Once something's in the mainstream, you are now immediately backwards, knuckle-dragging troglodytes if you live in some place where you're even like five minutes behind that curve. Okay, So even if it hasn't mm-hmm. happened to you yet, that's the mainstream. The second thing is that even when they lose, they win, meaning – what you're saying, even when you get somebody in one of the red states to say, oh, no, we, or whatever, they're 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 reacting. They tend to be reactive because that's what mm-hmm. politicians do. They tend to go on, you know, defense. And if you're defending against woke, you're losing because mm-hmm. they they went either way. Once you start defending, they come at you with that's a that's a dog whistle. That's a this. You just hate p- poor people. You just are racist. So you can't. Defend your argument, and you can't defend against their arguments. The important thing to do is know exactly what is right and where you stand, which is what I hear you saying, which is DEI in and of itself was never justified, was never necessary, right. is a gross waste of money, is compromising everything the school is supposed to do, such as teach academics, and mm-hmm. it, it all by itself. It's a cancer. Like you know, yep. it, the, the people go, "Well, we have to find a gentler DEI. We have to find a less woke DEI." We've. It's like, no, mm-hmm. you're missing the point. Your yeah. principles should tell you that we are equal under the law. Our students were welcome and included the second they got here. This is public school. We don't need to add a commissar of equality that isn't really equality. That's actually a commissar of discrimination to prove yep. how welcoming we are it's it's the it's a sol- solution in search of a problem yep and once people really grasp that principle then it's a you're not fighting anything you're just being Yeah. you're just being american you're just being free right now i think a lot of these politicians are caught in this like you know thing they're they're just yes, no, the it's, it's
1: it's they're operating under a good faith they're operating under the assumption of good faith. And here's what they I've been telling them and they should know by now. See, that's the thing. These are smart people. That's the other thing. That's the leans me towards well what what you're doing seems a little more deliberate because I know you're not stupid. You've built companies, you've built, you know, you understand how things are interrelated, right? You you, you to- know well no th- what well, what I'm saying is is that they, they it you, it lends me to-
0: some of the some of the people I've noticed recently who ha- hold some of the most bizarre view be- or just have some like they are really smart on paper yeah and then they can't see like
1: No I'm ta- talking I'm talking about the red the 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 conservatives I'm talking about the yeah. conservatives who yeah is it, it and intelligence like they know comes what they know really
0: well of. but they don't know this stuff
1: Right yes and yes and, and the other part they they refuse to listen to people on the ground that's the, yes. that's the it, it, one of the conversations i've had with leaders who are claiming to help against this but are really using it to push school choice and i've heard that directly which is there's using that as a fix for the problem when it's not but they say you know they say you know they want to do this and my and they understand it and it's not as quite as bad as you think. We just need to use these things to push this fix. And, I, and I'm saying, when's the last time you were in a classroom? When is the last time you stepped foot in a classroom? And you're going to tell me who has taught at every level, who's been doing it, you know, for de- uh, you know, a couple of decades now, that what I'm seeing and what I've seen over the course of this time isn't happening to the level that it... and. and and they refuse to listen because, and I, I have been called a negative Nancy. I have been called, well, you know, a uh, a whiner. And and you know, my retort to that is me being realistic about the assessment of what you're doing does not make me a whiner. Simply because you take it as me being, uh. Critical of you personally, your impact doesn't supersede my intent, and nor does it supersede facts, because what you did didn't work. What you're doing, they didn't pass school choice because people saw through some of their messaging on it, and they saw the dangers of it that it could lead to down the line. And now, it they they have to be willing to drop their pride a little bit. And I'm not saying I know everything. I'm not a politician. I'm not somebody who can, you know, navigate, you know, like LBJ, the halls of the Senate and 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 work with rules and all of that. But what they have to understand is all the rules and the the old ways of doing things, the way that they would say and you know, the crits would say it, are being dismantled underneath them. And they're sitting on top of an edifice that has no foundation. And Correct. the Constitution being the base level of that. You know, and that is a severe ignorance gap. And it's a severe, the ones who do know, the ones who I've explained to and I know because I've spent hours with them. And they spent hours with people much better at it than me, like James Lindsay or, you know, uh, Chris Rufo or you. and, And I mean, they know and they're still not doing it. That's what is unacceptable. They refuse to go after the one apparatus. What, what the woke movement lacks is a single figurehead like Trump. Right? So it's easy to call him a fascist because people have a cult of personality to him. They, he, he endears them. And so they take this one definition of the kind of cultural redefinition of fascism, the, the one that actually applies and say, well, the woke movement doesn't have a single figurehead. Okay. What it does is have a single administrative apparatus in every single institution. And we can point our political messaging, our political time, because politics is just a monetization of time. The most valuable commodity in all of government is the time of the president of the United States. What he spends his time on will literally affect the world. That's the way that they talk about it. Like, If you read... um, Like John Adams, uh, David McCullough, he talks about those kinds of things, right? And about the time that a administrator spends on things is what ultimately ends up in the in the body public. And if you are avoiding your message and avoiding your time spent, avoiding spending time on going after the actual root of the problem, and then you're actually benefiting from the problem that that means you're a bigger problem to me and what i feel is destroying my country than the woke are because a a a traitor as a friend is just an enemy in waiting
0: <laughs> you know and, and that's well, and, 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 I, and when there's money involved i'm not sure it isn't worse i mean because yeah. it, it they're they're enablers And in this case, uh, many people have, I believe, accurately described what's going on as we're in an abusive relationship with our government. Our kids are in abusive relationships with their schools, and Mm -hmm. so are we as parents. And so if you, as a politician, even if you have the best of intentions, like they're such a lovely couple, let's try to keep them together, whatever, you're enabling an abusive situation, So Mm -hmm. if there are a lot of people around you who you ought to give benefit of the doubt to have good intentions also, right? Mm -hmm. James Lindsay, you, Mm -hmm. me, Mm -hmm. lots and lots of classroom teachers, psychologists, and various other people who make me look like, you know, nothing, who are Mm -hmm. saying, this is a serious problem, Mr. Governor, city council, blah, 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 list all the people, right? Then you have... And you have a literal obligation as a public servant to give them as much attention and as much benefit of the doubt as you might give to the people that you want to be, you know, oh, I'm sure they mean well, because somebody is telling you there's an abusive situation going on. Mm -hmm. Red flags should go off. You say, all right, explain. I really Mm -hmm. need to understand because the last thing I want to be is an enabler of abuse. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the irony? These teachers, I mean say not all, but the ones who are woke, the, the administrators, all the the DEI people, they love to use that argument that they're protecting our children from the toxicity and abuse of parents and society and whatnot. Of course, everything is projection. Mm-hmm. And when we come back with actual evidence that mm-hmm. says, here, these are these are literally the signs of abuse in children chronic depression, self-harm, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and like we can list them off and say, isn't it possible that the people who have control and time of, you know, with these children, most of the day for nine months of the year might be contributing factor to those things that there could actually be And here's our further evidence that they're doing things that mm-hmm. are consistent with psychological, emotional, intellectual abuse and control yep. and so forth. And if I'm the governor, if I'm the head of the Department of Education, whatever, I- I'm clearing my calendar. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't care if I'm right. a
0: politician, especially, especially from a politician. The last thing I want on my tombstone or in the textbooks about me, because I'm now a historical figure, is he or she was the one who said, here you go, here's the key yeah. to the... Well, and
1: I I think I think that borders on the, you know, are you on the right side of history argument, which I think is innately I, I see what you're saying and I agree. But 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 but, but yes, yes, I wouldn't
0: just shove that away. Yeah, I would just cover yeah. my desk. Yeah.
1: Right. Well and but but the thing about Bush era Republicans is they're innately practical minded. And when I say the word practical minded, it's money minded. They believe that rising tide will lift all ships. That's literally what I hear all the time. Okay, rising tides will not lift
0: all in dinghy.
1: yeah but it's not even about that it's that with with rising tides come waves and what you don't understand is the red it's it's a red wave but the the soviet kind and it's eventually going to capsize your ship that's what it's designed to do and it, it will you what we're instituting here is a fascistic form of communism And and James talks about it as being literally fascism inside communism or vice versa, that you you weaponize the thesis and the antithesis, and you pin the people together in the oscillation, right? And and that becomes the synthesis, and you just batter them around until they don't know what the truth is, right?
0: Are they trans-communists or trans-fascists?
1: Yes. Yes, is the answer to that. No, but it's the truth. (laughs) <laughs> well, but it's fluidity, right? And no, but it, you, you, what you hit on is right. They are trans, commu, fascist, fascist, whatever you want to call it, because they will switch from one to the other, depending on what will give them power in the moment, because the only truth, according to Marxism, is what gives Marxist power. That's the only truth. That's their definition of it. That's why they have no um, responsibility to objective data. It can be weaponized, used, and morphed because ultimately the moral good of the truth of this oppressed group getting power, you know, outweighs even COVID restrictions, like in the summer of love, right? So it's like, it, no matter what the truth
0: is, what yes, is morally racism good. is a bigger public health hazard than the infectious right. disease that's killing people, right?
1: Until it's not anymore. Until, you know, there, there's other kinds of protests, you know, and that's what I'm saying. It's an oscillation. They call it metamodernism. You know, if you study it in, in school and stuff, it's they talk about metamodernist oscillation and the truth being basically in the points between thesis and antithesis everywhere at all, all times at the same time. What that means is that I get to define the truth based upon what gives me and my group what I want. Right. And that being applied to schools means that you're you're so destroying the mind of a child at a very young age that you know whether it's that four to six age range or that ten to fourteen or whatever, if they don't grasp hold of what reality is as opposed to sub you know objective reality as sub, as opposed to subjective reality. You're going to create a bunch of kids that will jump, I mean, this is an extreme example, but will jump off of the <laughs> the proverbial cliff or even the real one thinking they can fly because they think they can. You know what I mean? And that's where I think the gender ideology and the trans issue goes. It's like, I think, therefore I am, and I will impose that upon the natural state of life that is objective. And we can I do, can do that because...
0: They say I uh, feel. I feel, therefore right. I am.
1: Right. Yeah, that's what I say. I think and feel. Well, your feelings are your thoughts for them, right? There's no Not objective. Them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the
0: but they, and they, we all we. I've tried to say that to people who are woke. I've tried to say, well, explain to me the difference between your thoughts and your feelings. If you're saying I feel, I feel, I feel, and I said, well, mm-hmm. then you think. No. Yeah. I think because I feel like my feelings come first. They'll, right. They will defend that position.
1: Well, and we've all been, especially in the last three years, been, been. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We've been conditioned for that. The media conditions us for that. But now the schools have taken that media kind of, you know, conditioning method and just implanted it in schools, you know, and I, I My point of all of this is, is, why on earth are red states and the administrations not calling out DEI offices? Why are they not? I mean, here they have avoided it. They will go after the institution. They'll go after OU. They'll name specific things that are happening in OU, right? They will say, okay, this is, you know, uh, this panel of people said that, you know, football games are racist. Or this teacher said that, you know, um, whiteness is inherent in everyone and only white people can be racist. They will say that. But they will not name the division of DEI, the division of ideological, ideological enforcement at the university as being the specific problem. And then when I, what do I do as somebody who studies this and researches what's actually happening and tries to connect the dots? What do I think about those leaders who claim to be for me when I go and I see they're appointing people to positions of power that are making money off of this ideology while they're claiming to be against it? That makes me believe you're a liar, sir. Why wouldn't it? And you can't really tell me a good reason as to why you're doing it other than, well, there's so many differing factors and you don't see everything I see. You don't see everything I see. Okay, I'll take into account your lived experience for a moment as an anecdotal data point. Okay. Now take mine, but here's all the rest of the data that you were just talking about of of all these teachers being removed and and the kids being abused and harmed and being in an abusive relationship with their people who are. And you ignore that by not going after the abuser. Right. There's no excuse for that for me and i'm sorry and i I think that makes me seem extreme but i don't think it's actually an extreme idea to hold people who are doing the thing Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or enforcing the thing by forcing people to do it in order to keep food on their tables why are we avoiding that accountability why? Because the politicians use those same apparatuses to protect themselves. So it's more convenient for them to throw it down to the bottom of the stack. You know, the buck doesn't stop here, it stops way down there. Teachers, just don't go woke. Yeah,
0: it's just, I mean... Yeah, that, but if, those teachers know like, that if
1: they don't just, go woke, they know if they don't go woke and they come to you, you're going to, if it's in your vested interest at that moment politically, you're going to you're going to stifle any <laughs> you know you're going to stifle any backlash i've literally been told by leaders in this state word for word we don't want loudon county virginia here we don't want that and i'm like okay
0: well i mean <laughs> the thing that's the thing i keep coming back to my suspicion that they believe there's a good kind of dei like that in other words well they're just doing it wrong they're just doing it, they're just doing it wrong. And you know, what's wrong with diversity, equity, and inclusion? Like, I can't tell you how many people I meet who honestly believe they just have the wrong DEI director or they have the wrong approach. Shouldn't we have a better approach? And but we do need it. Like in other words, it has embedded the consciousness of Most people in this nation that this is a problem that we absolutely have to solve, like as if we have very poor air quality and we've got to fix the air quality. Okay, Mm -hmm. but no, nobody has proven nobody's even attempted to demonstrate using anything resembling evidence. The mm-hmm. DEI is necessary in every institution, in every, private or public, in this country, top to bottom, there are DEI. Obviously, like you said, the you know division of uh, ideological enforcement. And yet, I've heard so many Republicans obviously Democrats, but I mean, so many Republicans are saying, well, that's that person. Well, that's, that's the way that company does it. Well, we need to do. And so then you wonder if they're lured into the conflict of interest, you know, personal profit side by somebody selling them the less toxic snake oil. Yep. And they go in on that and say like, Hey, do this. And not only will you be the great you know, no one can call you racist. You did DEI, but it won't be the bad kind of DEI. will be good, good kind. And of course, it's all bait and switch. There is no good DEI. And you know, there you go. It's yeah. you don't need it.
1: Well, uh, this is the way I've tried to explain it to politicians in a way that I know that if they're successful politicians, they will understand. Okay, and this is, comes from PR training, right? The first thing that they teach a candidate in PR is if you're asked a question you don't like is don't accept the premise of the question. Because as soon as you do accept the premise of the question, you've lost. If, you know, if I ask you, well, you know, uh, when did you stop beating your wife? Right. Exactly. Well, the whole of what you just described is them accepting the premise. And as soon as they, and I've said this to the governor, I've said it to, Countless legislators, if you accept the premise, you've already lost. You have to go back and say, DEI is not, demonstrate to me, objectively, in this institution specifically, not anecdotally, not not by things that that got blown up in the papers, you know, one thing to say, well, there was a person who wore blackface that walked around campus. We can't identify them. We can't, we, we never identified them, but people saw it. We don't even have pictures, but it happened. And then you blow that up and use that manufactured outrage to change something. That's not a demonstration of the need for an entire administrative apparatus devoted to embedding this in everything that everyone else does. Exactly. So that's you accepting the premise. So if politicians stopped and said, I'm going to apply my PR training to my policy, which is I'm not, and I think DeSantis does this better than anybody I've seen so far, but I still haven't seen him go after the colleges. Nope. The one thing we could do here in Oklahoma that I've heard from every legislator that they say is like, you know, the third rail could never happen is to do a constitutional amendment in the state of Oklahoma. We have a super majority. Okay. We have a super majority of Republicans that if the governor got behind it, but they say, if we do a constitutional amendment to give the legislature direct purview over the way money is spent at the university, then we could do something, but that'll never pass. It'll never pass because you don't want it to. If, if, Governor Stitt is a stand up guy. He's popular. He has great support. If uh, if the if him and the and the core people I know that are really fighting DEI were to stand together they and go out for it, I think we could change the the Oklahoma constitution to say the legislature needs to have purview over what the universities are teaching teachers to teach in this state. And because they are the representatives of the people, but they do not want to remove that buffer because now they can say, look, we passed a anti-CRT bill. You know, well, the rules, those didn't get passed until a year later, and we can't do anything about that. That's the elected state superintendent, and she's, you know, was a Republican but is now a Democrat and is running for governor, so it's her fault. It's not mine. I...
0: Um, I, I, you know, this and people wonder, Deb, why are you an abolitionist? Like, wh- why do you want to just stop having the government provide this mm-hmm. and have a giant pot of money to mm-hmm. do this? Now, as I said, you know, before, I think that we, you know, we'll always have people who need some kind of solution. But I still maintain that if we stopped having the government be the go to entity To provide education, that there would be, you know, private people, private, you know, private entities would step in and take care of, you know, foster children, things like that, as far as education goes. But to me, there's an inherent conflict of interest having the government decide what small children should learn from the time they're, you know, three or four all the way through, and they're talking about all the way through college. Now they're they're talking Mm -hmm. about the 16 years, not the, you know, and Mm -hmm. I, I really keep coming back to that because, okay, let's take your plan of like get rid of these DEI directors and DEI offices and so forth and so on, and especially in the public institutions. Well, that's great, but we still are accepting the premise before the premise that government is the appropriate body to provide education for all. So not just a safety net, not just like a little something, something to, you know, like food stamps, here's some food. We don't have a government grocery store. You know, we have food stamps, we have, we have EBT cards. So why are they the provider of the service? And, and uh, that's my problem with it. Yeah, Cause I just don't know that's going to be even enough.
1: And that's a valid point, but here's, here's the issue. I think, I think we're, where we might disagree is just bas- it's semantic, but it's also practical. Thomas Jefferson was a, was a proponent of government funded public schools. Okay. Funded. But no, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Uh, okay. Yes. Funded. Okay. So that means that there is a, th- that it's funded by tax dollars. Voted and, and, and governed by directly at that point in time, when he was talking and when he was the, on the Board of Regents for the University of Virginia, where he said that the universities have a direct responsibility to the constitution of the state and the federal government for which they are housed to, to, to teach ideologies and, or, and um, uh, philosophies that support the, uh, the constitutions of that state and federal government. That is what he said that public schools should be because the University of Virginia was a state-funded, as he as he created it, a state-funded school, right? What has happened since Jefferson all the way up through the mid-20th century, we, we were more in that realm, right? Then we started creating an administrative state that replaced the enforcement of law and the interpretation of law in practice before it can get through the courts, right? So the interpretation, the actual effect it has on people, we replace that with unelected, appointed bureaucrats. And not just the figureheads like the secretaries of education, but really the ones that stem down underneath them. So what I would propose, or what I, because I'm not an abolitionist, I'm just going to, I, I, I think that, We need to remove the administrative state, especially when it comes to education. There needs to be direct responsibility. And I think that when you have the individual ISDs, this works really well. But the more you get the state overarching apparatus and then the federal overarching apparatus through the funding of money for specific um, initiatives and things like that, whether it's DEI, whether it's no child, all those things, they get funding for implementing these things through these well, state I think, apparatuses. If I think if we, we're on
0: the same page there. Decentralizing. Yes. So when I say abolish, I'm kind of talking about the stranglehold they have. I guess you call it the administrative state. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking of it more in terms of the actual hands-on control and that is, has been more and more and more centralized and power has been centralized like in D.C., and then you know, even at the state house level, like as opposed mm-hmm. to ISDs. And so if you could succeed at that, get rid of the federal department of education, mm-hmm. get with with the exception of as an enforcement vehicle mm-hmm. for various civil rights situations, mm-hmm. not as a funding mm-hmm. source, not as an administrative right. place, right? Then and have you know, the control go back to localities and have it be done by the people for the people in their states with more freedom. This is why I don't like the term school choice because mm-hmm. it still has school in it. And it st- doesn't really tell you what you really want, which is you would like the freedom to choose which of the ed- educational facilities that happen to be located where you are, because as Robert Podiska pointed out last week, if you're in a rural area, it's a moot point. There is a building. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. right. it's not about school choice. It's about do I I would like to take the dollars for my education that have been allocated and I would like to do, do this with them that is also education, but isn't the one that government kind of assigned me to. That I call yeah. educational freedom. I don't call it school choice. But I think we're in alignment. Yeah. my version of abolition is that
1: yeah. it's not burning well, place and, to
0: the ground i'm not woke well I'm and, saying, and, like,
1: and well if I, if i'm going to play devil's advocate to you you know it's, uh, i'm going to say oh you so see you just want to get rid of all public schools right so yeah. so the the way we talk about it i think is important and I, but i agree with you i think that again politicians have a vested interest in being able to blame someone else for the problems yes they also have a vested interest in protecting that buffer zone We need to, by way of righteous, loud voices, all spoken at the same time, shame them into removing that buffer zone. Nope, I want you, Senator, I want you to be responsible for the funding for the state university, not the Board of Regents. Now they can help govern it, they can be oversight, but if the legislature, who are elected by the people, not appointed by the governor, but elected by the people decide that this shouldn't be in their university that's funded by their tax dollars, you should have the power to get rid of it. Because that's what representative democracy is, right? We're not in a democracy pure, we're in a representative democracy, which means we hold accountable those who do the things. And that that's what we've removed with the administrative state, the managerial class, as Vivek Ramaswamy calls it. it's It's a insulated university presidents are the prime example of this. They're in they're 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 buffered not just by you know the distance between the governor and the legislature and them but but also by their boards of regents. Right? So they have double buffers. But they're the ones who implement all these things that are so there's no government check on it. There's no people check on it. They've they've effectively the reason why the left always talks about democracy And the why the founding fathers argued and fought not to have a pure democracy. I think I got something. Um, The is because of this very reason. You know, they wanted the people to be able to think and then hold accountable those who were doing on their behalf because people as a mass swath can be conditioned and manipulated too easily you know and that's why we have the federalism and the ISD's and the the separate ways of doing things. So I think the government should not be incentivizing any course of action in education. Exactly. It should just be that, it should be enforcing and protecting rights only. Right. That's the right. only reason it should never incentivize a course of action. That's my belief.
0: That, the challenge is that there will always be the i think even if you got rid of the teachers unions although i think that would be also a prerequisite when you have sort of a government within a government i mean that's they they Mm they are lobbying against the taxpayers that just seems Mm -hmm. fundamentally wrong to me but um in any event there will always be people who will argue that in order to protect the rights of people vis-a-vis education the government needs this or that regulator administrator. That's how we got here. We got here because people said, you know, what's wrong. What's wrong is this state isn't doing it right. And those people are doing it in a discriminatory way. And that those people are do- whatever. So when if your job is as enforcer of rights and people figure out as activists have throughout the years, that the way to get, money and or power or both is to argue that somebody's rights are being violated and then you're in the door i just think we'll be right back there like i don't even know how we yeah. would unravel it because every one of these agencies right now and every one of these administrative groups claims now you and i obviously would spend all day arguing with them but they claim that they are upholding rights even as they violate them mm-hmm. and they have their supporters they have people with deep pockets Who are happy to keep financing their campaigns and support them on both sides of the aisle Mm -hmm. when they make that bogus argument that we can't get rid of the the administrative state people's rights will be violated. don't you remember before brown v board of education don't you remember this don't you remember that of course these are all these are all i I don't know what you would call them they're a combination of straw man and red herring kind of arguments Mm -hmm. but that's where the wall I bump into so every time and I'm right there with you and I'm right there with you and I'm like yes we gotta get rid of this but it's the activists and the people the unions the people who pushed for them to become the administrative state in the first place who aren't going anywhere and we don't have any legislative power over them
1: yeah well and uh I don't want to go way off track but I just want to provide some lesser known history about how this all came about. Okay. The administrative federal administrative state that we know of today was created in its, in its genus during Woodrow Wilson, but it wasn't activated and expanded until Harry Truman. And, and nobody knows this, but Herbert Hoover literally created the administrative state that you see today. And he did it after he was president. He did it because Harry Truman, Herbert Hoover, Hoover was known as a, before the Great Depression, was the savior of the world. There are still streets in Belgium named after Herbert Hoover. And why was because he was such an effective administrator during times of crisis. He literally saved more lives. I would make this argument, I think, pretty soundly. He saved more lives per capita, of one person, than any other leader in the history of the world. Why? Why? Because during World War I and then after World War II, there were hunger crises. And he came in as a manager and administrator and walked around the world or went around the world advocating for us to feed the impoverished uh, people of Europe that couldn't feed themselves. Okay. Now, that was after World War I. That's what made him president. He never held public office before that. His first—I mean, he—he he was the secretary of commerce, but he was never elected. The first election he had was that. Then he walked around. Now he got—he got kind of summarily dismissed by FDR after the Great Depression. And then after FDR died, Truman said, "Uh-oh, we have the same problem." And I'm old enough to remember the guy who fixed this last time. After World War II, we have a hunger crisis. So he sent Hoover out to do it, and that revamped Hoover's public image, raised him back up. Then Truman said, I'm really having a hard problem managing this now huge government that the New Deal created. And I'm going to get the best administrator I know to rewrite the way the administrative state works from the executive level down. And that model was used then to revamp state government. And what it did is it gave, it created this buffer zone that has created the problems we're seeing now because it removed or it gave that that uh, it, it re- the accountability then got to go somewhere else you could blame second secretary of Education in this department blah 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 you're the fall guy you're out but I'm still popular even though I put that guy there you know what I mean and so we've abandoned we've abandoned for the sake of self-preservation in many cases, the ability to actually change our government (laughs) via the vote. And that is seeing, that is the real world effect. So I would say there has, I'm for not abolition, but a severe paring down of the entire, starting at the state level, though. If you can't do it in Oklahoma, where can you do it?
0: That's oh, the other part. That I completely agree. And I, I've tried to say to people, you know, the here's the bad news. The federal government's completely captured. Like, yeah. you're not changing it because of what you just described. Here's the good news. The federal government's completely captured. It's so big. It's so bloated. It's so, you know, whatever, that federalism has a chance
1: in yeah. the sense
0: that states by necessity and also by, you know, sort of incentive. Um, more than I think ever in my lifetime, have an incentive to pare down, nullify, do all kinds of things that are allowed, that are actually technically legal in the constitution. And so this is actually a strange turning point or pivot, I don't know what you want to call it, where we could, um, there's an opportunity here. And I think you've, you've nailed it, that this is a chance for people within your state um to look for these kinds of changes because if you can get it done in oklahoma and you i I think on twitter the other day i said we need a new founding we need to take 13 states and we need to do that but this is essentially what i meant you know like take another however many states where you could do this and do it because then you will have back what was the original intent of the founders which is that the states would be labs they would be basically Like, you know, experiment and that's what they're for. That's why we have the 10th Amendment. And when those states are humming along and working well and the kids coming out of them are, you know, well-educated and well-adjusted and things or better adjusted, I should say, because we still Mm -hmm. have to contend with the Internet, um, then, you know other states are there's going to be that tension that healthy tension that there ought to be that the other states are you know having physical competition because people are moving and they don't want to live there anymore and where you might even begin at some point and i'm talking 25 30 maybe 50 years okay then you might have a prayer of changing over the federal government structure but as things stand right now I think anybody who thinks we're going to take back the White House and make any kind of difference at our state level or in our schools is living in a fantasy land. It either happens in your state house and on down city council, da 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 da, or it ain't going to happen.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's
0: the that, political solution up there.
1: Well, and when you talk about like the Republicans have a, su- a huge hand in this in this problem because you know newt gingrich in the 90s nationalized congressional elections truman did it first but 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 that's the most modern way when he said we are going to have a contract with america so elect us in as a giant block in the midterm elections and that's the way we think about it now you know we don't think as much about our individual person again it's another apparatus of saying we're not going to hold our individual representative responsible because they represent a bigger hole. We don't want to lose the bigger hole. That's anti-federalist. That's that's not the way our country was designed. And that's what the woke are taking advantage of.
0: And they're not governing. I mean, Congress does not debate. Hasn't for Mm-mm. decades. They yep. don't even, what people don't realize is they don't even legislate. They pass yep. these, these, you know, big statements that are effectively permissions for regulatory bodies to go and make regulations that have the force of law, but we never, they were, we were never represented. We have unelected Mm -hmm. bureaucrats deciding whether we can have a rain barrel or deciding whether we can drive a car that has gasoline in it. Or, I mean, I'm exact, you know, that's at the state level, but it'll be at the federal level pretty soon. Even Mm -hmm. like the gender policies, like how does the, how does the president even, how is he even touching this issue? Because Congress hasn't done its job. The individuals who mm-hmm. go to Congress haven't done their job in decades. I'm not really sure what they do except go in there and do insider trading and get better benefits than us and give themselves a raise every few years. But other than that, they don't do much of anything.
1: It's like they're a hat on top of the head. You know what I mean? That's they're it. visible, but they're just covering what's actually doing the the, 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 That's right. the brain work. Yeah, And, and, and those and, people and don't change. Well, and now we're we're increasing the problem with the AOCs and the Marjorie Taylor Greens, and the, these are these are these are reality TV, she, TV show, you know, they're, they're they're Instagram personalities now. And yeah. in the next ten years, you're going to just see more of that because, with the goodness of us being able to come to this space and break through the wall, so to speak, to people we wouldn't get able to get through, comes the weaponization of that towards. Our government becoming just nothing but a popularity contest, which is democracy in its purest form.
0: Popularity democracy is evil. Democracy is evil. Right. <laughs> well, well I mean, it, democracy it, is evil.
1: We, right, yeah, because it, it, the we have a republic, a democratic yeah. republic, and they did right. it that way because they're in competition with each other always. They're always one is butting up against the other. And anytime you nationalize an issue, you break down that foundation a little more.
0: Right. And we have you know? people so poorly educated right now. And many of them are in positions of power. What scares me is how many PhDs I see who, you know, so I know they made it not only through K 12, but also mm-hmm. college, grad school, and more grad school. And they, honestly have no idea why our system is set up the way it is don't value it at all and are begging like begging for the executive branch to have more power even as the words trump is a fascist come out of their mouths like even even as all of their derangement about somebody who has sort of authoritarian speaking habits but that's Mm -hmm. about it um they don't see what authoritarianism actually is. And they're begging for it. You know, like, yeah. you know, whatever, defund the police, but go drag the lady with the mask out of the shopping mall by her hair and throw her in prison. I mean, sure. oh, OK, so this is this is what you get when your education system is what it is. And so one of my concerns is that we now have a crop of so-called leaders or not only aren't leaders. But they're not even our betters. They're not even our, They're not even equal. Like, I think people have been trusting that those who will run for office. Those people who want to run for office or have some kind of special knowledge or ability, or at least as much as I've got or more. And they're going to go and represent me. And sometimes I look at these people and be like, step aside, <laughs> sit down. <laughs> you have no idea what you're talking about, like at all. And why are you representing others Like, I don't want you babysitting my cat. You know, it's Mm -hmm. this is what we have now. And they were educated in these schools. But you can't go to people and say, I am sorry, Mr. Public Servant. You're ignorant of the very constitution you claim to serve. Like, you literally don't know how it works. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm seeing every single day. And that's, of course, what the woke take advantage of. And they're made up of people who don't understand it. So you have your true believers who understand it perfectly well and don't like it. And then you have people who became woke because they didn't know there was a constitution. I've talked to people. where I'll say, you know, uh, you have the freedom to do that. Like, no, I don't. And like, actually, actually, you, you do see it's right here. <laughs> yep. And you point it out. And that's like the first time anyone's ever told them they have freedoms they didn't know they had. Yep. And then they think they have freedoms they actually don't have. And there's good yeah. reasons, and they don't. When you try to explain to them what the reasons are, they go, "Oh, oh yeah, that that's a good point." But no one ever taught mm-hmm.
1: them. Well, and, and that's the thing. Per capita, I think there are great representatives here in Oklahoma. Met them, have talked to them, that know the Constitution, that can quote it better than me. Have have and and but, in that same vein, they're the most polished sometimes, and and the most I. To be an effective politician today, you have to be a game show host. You know, Abraham Lincoln would never be president today because he's too ugly. Like, you know what I mean? It's it's it's, it's and, you know, we sell this from the FDR, Kennedy, all that. But it's become. The the talking points of the Constitution have become. Just that talking points,
0: yeah.
1: because you can say and say and say, but what are you doing? And if you're pushing innately, if you push school choice using that moniker, but only applying, it can only be used the way that you wrote it down, any other nuanced thing that might make it better, might it make it more effective, not allowed to happen. Either you're pro school choice or you're anti school choice. There's no in between. That to me, right. when I hear my leaders, the conservative leaders say that, that are pushing that, I'm looking, you're using a Kendian argument to say to, to, as a, as a method of fixing Kendiism in schools? <laughs> nope, you lost me. You lost yeah. me. And when they, when you say that to them, I, there's an article that came out just the other day. It just said, if you're against us on school choice, we are going to then take that as you being against us on everything. And I'm just like, what? That makes me go, you are woke. You, you, you've imbibed this method, but not in the right area. You're not, you're not trying to right. gain activists on your side in the lower realms of things. So like for people like us, and you're yeah. actually stifling that kind of movement because you want your goal, which is going to line your pockets or well, people, protect your kids, you know, and not others. And that's the other thing too. That's what I've heard. People, people, li- people per- are
0: confused. They think oh, wokeism yeah. is political. It is political, but what I'm saying is, it 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 crosses political lines because essentially it's pseudo religious philosophical. Okay, mm-hmm. so you know it has all the had all, all the earmarks of a, of a cult or a fa- it's a faith based system, and it has all the earmarks of a cult because of the way it behaves and treats people abusively, and mm-hmm. it is it's a philosophy, it's a worldview that is collectivist in nature. And the mistake that people make is in thinking that if you are a Republican, you can't be a collectivist. Not true. Teddy Roosevelt was a big, big old progressive, you know, George W. Bush, big old progressive. Hey, let's have Mm -hmm. Medicare party and no child left behind. So, you know, first you have to understand that at its core, it's collectivist, it's anti-individual, it's anti-intellectual. It is in it's it believes it's pragmatic. I mean, I mm-hmm. disagree. Obviously, your progressive Republican is pragmatic in a little bit more measurable way. Your woke progressive is utopian, so not pragmatic. Mm-hmm. But the things they do are pragmatic in that they have a specific goal that makes no sense to us, but they're really good at achieving their goals and they set mm-hmm. out goals and they don't think past the one that's right now. Like, what's going to happen tomorrow? Not interesting. I got to do this and this. So they're very similar in that they're short-sighted and they don't really plan for the future and they don't think philosophically and they don't have any core principles. And this doesn't – you don't have to be a leftist. You don't have to be a Democrat. You don't have to be – this is a worldview. So when you're Mm -hmm. talking about who you're voting for or who you're going to go talk to, you have to kind of know how they think. Yeah, well, oh, and I, these
1: things. and I, what you just said was right, but I think that what I see in the inverse to that is the argument, well, cause I've made the argument, you kind of have to use the woke tactics against them, not the woke mindset. The perfect example of this I've seen that illustrates this distinction perfectly is James Lindsay just recently, you know, he said, you know, either you're pro groomer or you're anti groomer. If you're right. if you're not anti-groomer, then you're pro-groomer, right? That isn't he doesn't mean that, so to speak. He knows there's nuance. What he's doing is he's taking that argument that they hate because they they hate the word groomer because it ac- accurately describes what they're doing. It accurately describes it's something they've they've railed against against the patriarchy for decades now is the grooming of children by whether it's priest or church, you know yeah. church whatever it may be and we flipped it on them and it 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 perfectly fits what this is doing and it's also systemic because they're making it a part of the system and so you spin the terminology on them to shine the light on what they're doing but you can't adopt their collective mindset towards the implement or the 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 policies you use to rid yourself of it, right? If school choice is that policy, the devil is in the details. And if you don't have the details right and you refuse to abandon any or compromise on any details, that leads me to believe you have another vested interest in those details that aren't in service to what you say they are. And then if you follow the money and you're appointing people that not just appointing people, but you yourself are profiting off of various aspects of this in different forms. That means that you're, you're literally helping them. You're running the football towards your own end zone. Yes. Well, you, you're doing it backwards, you know, and you, you're, you're waving and screaming and everybody, you know, but you're going to end up in their end zone. And that's untenable. And even if it's ignorant, it's, it's, unacceptable, uh, in my view. And and the only people that can do anything about it is what the people in Loudoun County, Virginia did. And that's the thing that has set off my radar. When I have leaders, several of them, if I told you their names, you would know them. Maybe even you, but I'd know people here in Oklahoma. But say to me, we don't want a Loudoun County, Virginia here.
0: What? I don't even know what that means. Like, I mean, they I, don't
1: I, want they don't want to be forced to do something that's in against their own personal best interest or the political best interest. They do not because what happened in Loudoun County, Virginia, was the people held the leader responsible for yes. what was happening. At, well, and when you're in a red state like Oklahoma, where Oklahoma re- Republicans have been in power since the mid-90s, and those same Republicans are sitting atop these administrative states just and nobody's talking about it. They do not want to be held responsible because the fact of the matter is is that you can blame Barack Obama, but you wouldn't have had race to the top and, and Common Core if you didn't have no child left behind. And you wouldn't have had, and you can go back and, and you wouldn't have had what's happening now in this state, if the same people that are fighting against CRT in Oklahoma hadn't openly embraced Common Core. You know what I mean? And and they refuse. These are the same people that created the problem trying to fix it, but not being honest with themselves and the people that they're talking. If they would come out and say, guys, I messed up. And guess what? Because I messed up, I know this better than anybody else. And I can tell you exactly how I messed up. Now, you know, if you'll be honest in that way, but that's not what they do. They go, oh, well, I tried my best and this was good, but they corrupted it. If you don't accept responsibility at all for what it is that you had a hand in, you have no business fixing it or trying to fix it.
0: People or, or, forgot or, or... What cons- You're right. People forgot what conservatism really is, yeah. in my opinion. Conservatism, as I would define it. It's similar to I think how Jordan Peterson defines it, but for what it's worth, I mean, I a few people I think would agree with this. Um, is you know, the first thing is you have a limit, you have a set of limiting principles, okay? Because what, where do you measure conser- conserving or conservation? Okay, so you have a set of limiting principles, and for me. And what I thought conservatives held was that, you know, does it violate individual liberty? That That's kind of my line in the sand, the, the fix mm-hmm. to the problem, the solution, the policy, whatever the thing is that we're talking about, does it bump up against individual liberty? We got to start there. And if the answer is yes, now we have to look at the pros, cons, you know, like severity of the problem. You know, sometimes there are conflicting rights. I won't mention the issue, with, you know, et cetera. And now we have to. We have to seriously stop and discuss this and debate this in open debate in front of the people so they understand that we are taking their individual liberty very, very seriously. And we do not even encroach even a fingernail into their individual liberty without serious conversation and debate. That's the limiting principle. Mm-hmm. Next, when we when we're chugging along, running a country, living, et cetera, and somebody says, ah, problem. This isn't working. Kids are not learning to read. Problems, problems. And they run to us with a solution. I have the answer. No child left behind. Common core, whatever it is, that we want to put in the federal government, even if they do it to the state government, but especially if they put it to the federal government. Then conservatism says, well, that's um, that's an interesting proposal you have there, but there's a couple things you're going to have to do for me first. First, you're going to have to prove to me you really fully understand the size, scope and nature of the problem that you want to solve because you see, we have 50 states and a few territories and we're the federal government. So like, do you really fully understand the problem in each and every one of these 50 states? Cause we're gonna have an impact on each and every one of these 50 states. So until such time as you can show me that you fully understand and get buy-in from those 50 states that you absolutely have your finger on the pulse of what it is, run along. Even though we agree there might be a problem, not saying there isn't. Just conservatism says, so we love the status quo is that we got to know what the status quo is before we go tinkering with the status quo. Okay, now you come back to me with all your research. You have it all. All right. Super. So let's look. You've got a full size. Okay, now, where's your list of potential unintended consequences when you go changing the status quo according to your desired plan? Oh, we don't we don't have that. Okay, bye bye. You need to go and come back to me when you have those, because I know that even as hard as you try, you're not gonna be able to get all of them. So work real hard and get as many of them as you can. All right, great. Okay, now that we have all that, the conservative says, well, this is very interesting and you definitely have done your homework, that's great. So where's your accountability plan? How long do you anticipate it will be before we know if your solution is working, is neutral and not really working at all? How long are we giving this to show an effect? Um, And I haven't even talked about a cost yet. Never mind that. And then what's the plan if things start to go sideways a little bit? Because, you know, it's like war and everything else, even when you're trying to fix things rather than break them. Once your plan hits the road, especially across 50 states. I mean, Mm -hmm. God only knows what kind of human. I mean, we're human beings. Interactions. We're talking about billions of human interactions. Things could go sideways. So what's your plan then? Oh, yeah. We didn't think of that. Okay. Run along. So you get what I'm saying. Conservatism. Mm -hmm. It's not, we love the status quo and we never want to change anything. Women go home, be pregnant, have bare feet. That's what they say. That's not it. It's saying we understand that when you have large, far reaching, complex problems that affect the daily lives of real people, that when we are force, when government is what you said, enforcement and force, whatever it is, that we don't, as our first principle of existence, violate individual liberties so if we're gonna make an enforcement mechanism or any even kind of recommendation that has the power of taking money from you to pay for it which in and of itself is coercion you got to do a hell of a lot of homework and be very very sure that allowing the individual little states and individual localities to come up with their own little solutions which they still should be doing the same process by the way but don't even come to us if you didn't try down there
1: yeah. Well, that's and conservatism. That's where,
0: I'm not hearing that. Here today, conservatism is social policy. That's it. Everything else yeah. is like the same.
1: Yeah. It, it's accountability. Because in order to have all of what you just described so well, you have to have the people who you elect be the people who do the job. And that's not and what's they're happening. Held
0: accountable for the
1: job. Co right. That's what I mean. COVID is the yeah. perfect example of that. Yeah. It is the perfect example. Science, uh oh, well, I can't be held they so they told us to wear mat, but they told us, what did you want me to do? Not listen to the doctor. Mm-hmm. See, that's that's an appeal to authority. That's in itself a logical fallacy. Because public policy is not taking the dictates of one advisor. When you elect somebody, you're electing them for their broad perspective not for their minute perspective and i know that this may defeat my argument a little bit when it turns to what i'm but it's it doesn't defeat it it offers nuance because yes they have to look at the overarching goal but in order to be a conservative as you described they must get more than just a one sheet on the issue right or you you have people in your immediate sphere of influence who are devoted to those conservative principles that you described that provide you with more in-depth knowledge on what it is you're doing, because that's what the left is a master of because they created it in this country is the administrative bureaucratic animal. That's why they beat us at every turn when it comes to process, right? Because they're an administrative animal and they live there and they've created the policies in many of the cases, you know, and, and the boundaries and the movement. And they know, just like Biden did with um, the CDC uh, mandating vaccines, Biden said this explicitly. He said, I'm going to do it even though I know it's not constitutional because I want the effect from here until when it's named not constitutional. And that will have the effect I want on the populace, both mentally, physically, and, and whatever. That should be absolutely forbidden. That's conservatism of saying, No, 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 Mr. President, you're not a king. You don't get to executive order this through a, a bureaucracy that's not elected. We don't know their names. They have one person that we know of that we can look at and say that is they're doing something, but they're most of the time they're only fall people. They're just, Are you good on camera and do you have a credential? You know, and And when they get trolled out like Fauci did, for example, and they get finally, you know, you have a Rand Paul that sits there and beats them over the head that in a way that can't be noticed, it takes months and months, they they all of a sudden drop out of view. Because remember, there was a time you didn't know who Anthony Fauci was. And that was most of your existence. You know what I mean? For most people in this country. And so when he goes away, it's like, oh. You don't. You barely notice his absence, except for the ones going like us, going. Well, where's Anthony Fauci? Why? Why is he all of a sudden gone now that all of these things are coming out? You know, and he pops his head back up and goes, "Well, we need to mask again," and then he goes away, right? And then, it, conservatism is accountability. Conservatism is information, and the ability for the people to regulate that directly by the person they elect. If there's too much buffer,
0: you've lost conservatism. And yeah, so. We haven't had it, I don't think we've had it in my lifetime. <laughs> I mean, we had little doses of it during Reagan, I guess maybe, but it was still government grew and um, the administrative state grew. He could have gotten rid of Jimmy Carter's department of education. He was like five minutes old. He didn't, um, yeah. there were, you know, things. And, I mean, when I look back and think, you know, gosh, Tip O'Neill was, like, conservative compared to people today. <laughs> oh, yes.
1: It, no. Kennedy yeah, would, would be really, a – it yeah. would be a all right – I mean, yeah. he was – he tax cuts and and big, big, you know, big spending on, that's on why on the, That's why
0: the whole, like, the, the whole conservative, liberal, progressive, whatever, doesn't really work for me anymore. And that's why mm-hmm. I keep trying to come back to educating people about worldviews and philosophy because – even if you want to put your eggs in a political basket, which I, I still tell people, like, don't work close to home, work with people, you know, try to affect change on the ground where you live, you know, and don't don't put all your eggs in the you know midterm basket or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, but even if you're going to, it's not as simple as red or blue. It's not as simple as that. You're going to have to look at each individual candidate. You're going to have to evaluate their worldviews and be advised that. This is what conservative, you know, like this is what it really means. It's not just the guy goes to church every Sunday and, you know, he has a traditional marriage and three cute little kids and he's very against abortion or whatever. I mean, those things may be important to you, but to me, they wouldn't matter a hill of beans. If the person's going, I just think we need a nicer DEI director. I think everything will be super. My, my pastor said that DEI (laughs) is really necessary because, you know, we had a sermon at church last Sunday that talked about it. And I really think that we need to decenter our whiteness for Jesus. And I mean, I don't mean Mm -hmm. to be joking around, but that has been happening. Yeah, that's absolutely real. And then people mistakenly think like, see, DEI is not the problem. It's that person or that company or whatever. It's like, no, DEI is the problem.
1: Well, and here's the thing. People, and this is where the collectivism comes in. We're so red and blue, Republican, Democrat. The most effective people at holding government accountable are those in your own team. And people have to recognize that all politicians are magicians. All of them. They employ the same, hey, look at this shiny thing. I'm doing this. Now, right? It's like the sleight of hand is is innate. To get the sleight of hand, you have to distract the eye, right? Because it's not really a sleight of hand. It's a sleight of eye. It's what are you looking at at the time? Because if I can do this over here while I'm, if I can sign a bill that bans transgender people from competing against women in sports, which is good.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But if I can do that at the same time that I appoint a person to the board of regents, that's going to continue that process beyond when I'm in office. You 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 you've not actually made the thing disappear. You've just it's behind your back. That's it. Exactly. it, it Someone is it's it's not the, the 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 magic isn't real. It's just a trick. Mm-hmm. And I'm tired of Republicans, conservatives, constitutionalists getting wrapped up in their own BS so much that they think that their sleight of hand is better than the other just because they're the ones doing it. And if it benefits the most people in their state or their sphere of influence or their constituency, it's okay to lie and it's okay to do, you know, one thing that's against what you're actually doing, but take the credit nationally. I'm going to be on Fox news and, you know, I, I signed great. That's good. But nobody's talking about the person you just put in. That's going to keep this going. And when you're out of office in four years, it's still going to be on that board without you being able to check them, implementing the exact thing you claim to be against while you're sitting back with all the
0: money you made off of it. Meanwhile, they're going the other way, and they're using what was supposed to be emergency relief, ESSER mm-hmm. funds and different things, to it not only make sure that there's a DEI director in every single school or district, at least, but also to make sure that SEL not only is being implemented, but that they are building what Castle calls permanent, I think that is either enduring or permanent or something, structures, SEL structures. So now on the worst end of the scale, I've envisioned the CDC's community school with the health center right there at the school and parents don't know what's going on as far as medical treatment while the kid's at school. And on the sort of more benign side, it's just the permanent ensconced ginormous staff of SEL providers who have dual loyalties to the company they work for, like Castle or Panorama Ed, or, you know, even the Chan Zuckerberg found out who knows the people that the other interests they have in serving plus, oh, yes, they get a salary from the district. And when those funds run out, as they will likely by about 20. I mean, it depends they say 2023, 2026 depends on how fast they're spending them They have up until I think 2026 to spend them. They're going to come calling and they're going to say, we, ah, we're out of money and we need to go, oh my God, SEL, whatever. And long before then, ideally before it becomes the Department of SEL, okay, like we have the Department of Education, we need these politicians to step up and say, "Oh, oh, hell no oh no, maybe this money is already accounted for and spent, but there will be no permanent structures. There will be no ongoing effort. This is this was a crisis expenditure. It's a crisis expenditure. It mm-hmm. ends on such and such a date. And there right. will be no permanent staff, no permanent allocation. Do not come to us for this money because as of 2024, whatever, the crisis is hereby over, we've decided. And you'll have to mm-hmm. reapply For the whole shebang, but we don't just keep people on the job for a crisis indefinitely, and that's happening as we speak. So, part of what you're talking about is the 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 DEI itself has tentacles. Mm -hmm. If they because they're already building their immune their immune system. The thing about the education system, as I know you know very well, but maybe the audience doesn't know, is as soon as it gets like, let's say it's a virus or something and it gets introduced to the host, which is the the system, the education system. The very first thing it does is put out its um, its white blood. So it puts out its own like immune system and it makes itself wrapped up so that it's got little tentacles and little influences in different parts of the system so that if you try to get rid of it, like, like a, actually it's more like a tumor. If you remove a whole tumor, your big risk is the little cells that broke off will metastasize and you're actually risking having spread. When you remove Mm -hmm. a large tumor, that's the irony. It creates its own blood supply. So it hogs the blood supply, but it has blood supply. So you take out the main user of the blood supply and the little tiny cells will just go and use the blood supply that you left Mm -hmm. behind. So that's why you have to cut off the funding as well as the department. You have to completely like chemotherapy, the whole system of all of this ideology in all of the jobs in the administrative roles where it lives so you would also have to tackle extra added librarians and extra added you know uh, school counselor jobs you know and they're right. like look at all the jobs that have been added these are their immune system that have been added to support the dei department curriculum mm-hmm. developers and coordinators and the and the consultant the person who interacts in hr with the consultants they all have to go
1: and remember that wokeism thrives off the weaponization of victimization. Yes. And teachers are are trained to be systemic victims. And I say this as a teacher. We are trained, oh, I never have enough money. I never have enough time. i am never paid enough. I never have the administrative support I need to do my job because I can then blame them for my lack of, you know, results. And this is where music is different because my assessments when I direct a choir are in front of people, right? So as a, as a performance teacher, right? Either my choir produces a good sound or it does not. That can be subjective, but on the whole, it's mutually agreed upon because it's a sensibility. If you're singing something out of tune, even the untrained ear can hear that because it's a ubiquitous part of human nature of human society and has been for the whole of our existence right that that type of assessment is not present in almost all of the disciplines right it's all done in the classroom and through tests which is why they're attacking subjective testing and 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 the standards for that because they want to legitimize their existence on the back end by changing the bars to make it look as though what they're doing is producing a positive outcome. So it's, and that is going, that's happening through your curriculum directors and through your administrators, just like you just talked about. And so they will protect themselves through their own victimization. And, and now that's, I mean, this was happening even before critical race theory and all this really took hold like it is right now in the colleges of education you always had the teachers don't have enough of blank teachers are being targeted blank right it's that has become the battle cry for teachers everywhere and you get wrapped up in that because who doesn't want more money in your classroom right who doesn't want that what other
0: job does that I mean, no, like, I re- like what other, Did I don't you even officers? Know, well, I meant, yeah. you know, like, can you, <laughs> yeah. can you imagine people in other jobs whining and complaining as much? And, and I, and I, w- I really want to make sure people listening understand that when we say teachers are, you know, he's saying teachers are trained to do this. That doesn't mean that all teachers take to the training. <laughs> okay. No. So there are no. obviously teachers like, like you. And, you know, I like to think like me when I was teaching and so forth, who, We'll actually push back on that because, A, because I think it's our personality that we don't like to be seen as victims, just personally, yeah. that's creepy. And then also because we're committed to the truth and we don't like to, you know, BS people. Um, right. But some people, they will just latch onto that and go and repeat it. And, and of course, the union supports that. That's their policy.
1: Mm-hmm. and
0: um, It's the whole know, reason so- they exist. It is the whole reason they exist. So why why would you need them if you weren't a perpetual victim? They're the go-between. Mm-hmm. So it. Every time I talk about these problems, though, I keep I, that's where I get so, um, I get so frustrated because I I I'm you know like I, I take out the tumor now. What are we getting the chemotherapy? Then what you know? So what do you? What's the prognosis, doctor? I mean, do you think that that this is possible. It's great. Like, thank you for raising awareness for this. Cause I guarantee you most people don't know what you're talking about. Like they've never heard this before. They've not even thought about it this way. And, and, and folks, nobody would expect you to, this is coming Mm -hmm. fast and furious. The reason, the reason that we are even telling you any of this is that we spend our days like mired in it. Okay. But that's also the advantage they have is they Mm -hmm. know that you have to live your life. You have to go to work, yeah. You have to raise your kids. You spent two years with the schools closed. You're just like, oh my God, they're open. You know, you put them in there and they're taking advantage of you and they're lying to you and they're gaslighting you. So here we are trying to give you the truth. But, you know, every time I look at that truth, it gets bigger and bigger and it becomes like the monster that ate us. So what, what do you think? At the same time, I know that, and somebody reminded me of this today. Sometimes it just takes like, something could seem really big and you seem like, oh my God, I can't do it. And then like one thing shifts Mm -hmm. and suddenly everything shifts. So I think I do believe in the, the, I do have hope, I guess, not that we can change the system, but that at the local level that we can energize people like Loudoun County did to be more involved, be more aware, have a greater sense of their own, responsibility to hold their elected officials accountable. I think their trajectory as far as those impulses is up. Mm -hmm. I hope I'm right. Mm -hmm. And so obviously I want to keep like going, keep going guys, you know, like cheer cheerlead that on. So I agree with you. That person who said, I don't want to live in County. I'm like, I want to live in County in every state. Um, But realistically, what do you think? What should we do to keep that going? Are we doing it? Or is there more? What should we do? not that
1: you know i'm just asking every well no i think every single chance we have to hold our own accountable and i and i'm not meaning that in the woke sense in the in the constitutional sense we have to hold our own accountable and the devil is in the details don't let the shiny object automatically draft you permanently to one team or one person or one anything it's not a collective You don't have to be a Republican or a Democrat to be good. What you need to do is be a thinking person. And what you will find is that if if you objectively are trying to think through a situation and you see a continuing course of conduct that leads to the same outcome all the time, being willing to tell your friends love uh, in the christian terms of love is not just affirming what people want it's telling them the truth right and so friends what what the woke have really done well is they've made the truth untenable they they, they make they do everything they can to make the reality of the world unlivable and then insist that your perception only can change that. And if we're not willing to stand up and call a dichotomous action that makes no sense right on our own side of the aisle, so to speak, what right do we have to say anything to the other? And so I, I think that I think, and you're gonna be called a negative Nancy, you're gonna be you're gonna to be told that you're hurting your friends, and you don't wanna be. And I, I, I'm not going to say I don't struggle with this. I, I can be overly critical, but it's because I'm frustrated, because I can see what's happening. And I've done everything I can within my limited skills and ability to do. And it seems that in the practical matter, in the long term, in what's actually going to make a, a difference in this is being ignored and purposefully ignored. And that may be because they don't think it'll work legitimately or they don't think it's a correct assessment legitimately. But more times what I'm seeing is that there is a vested interest Mm -hmm. to them personally, whether it's their own perception by other people or it's monetarily or whatever. So I, I read a tweet yesterday that said, you know, when's the last time you heard of a politician local i mean uh, uh, on a mass level in the last 30 years since nixon really being held accountable and and you know uh facing criminal charges for criminal things that they do
0: yeah
1: right it it doesn't happen anymore that means you live under a corrupt government and the government and it's not because of a racism that it's corrupt it's because it's using that as a token issue to avoid. The actual problem. And all parts of Democrat, Republican are 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 complicit in that in that abdication of responsibility for specific issues and nuances in policy that they don't want to take responsibility for because they see that their longevity is the moral good. Because they're fighting for the right thing. They tell themselves this. We all do this. We, we we are the all the main character in our own movie. But when you compound that to by people actually watching you all day long, like politicians do, you know, they, we all watch them all day long. We watch them. They, they're constantly visible. That becomes compounded. And they're they the own heroes. And therefore, they're they are above reproach. PR. Yeah. yeah you, you, you're smelling your own, you know, flatulence. And, yeah. it, and it's. That's what the constitution was designed in its innate form to stop right. is that the, the, and that's why this administrative buffer zone is so destructive yep. because enough people will fall for the look over here, you know, uh, um, deception to do it. So I would say, look inward, look at your own people. And Examine the inherent contradictions in what they do. Give them an honest hearing. But make them explain it to you. Right. You know, make them explain it to you. And then if they won't, tell everybody that they won't. Tell, right. scream it from the rooftop. And that's all we can do is that we need to band together as much as possible. Well, you can. Yeah, why you, you can because it...
0: was more, literally.
1: Right, right. And... In you seven years, put I'm, I'm putting a, on a date, date on it, seven years from now, the people who did not, who weren't raised on the Martin Luther King idea of uh, equality under the law and that moral imperative that was so good for the country, I believe, will not be the dominant force the, 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 they they will be overtaken but prematurely by a activist younger force that will be voting as a tithe as a sacrament for their goodness and that is I'll what I'm will be sixty
0: two. To... Where am I going? Am I might. Where am I moving? Like Greenland? No. Like
1: yeah, Christ I guess. I, uh... <laughs> like Costa
0: Rica. Like where am I going? Because I don't want to be old in the country they're gonna run. I don't and that's
1: a huge going to be a huge problem because this is going to break social security it's going to break the safety nets that the administrative state had right when they were first implemented when you took care of the least of us you know if you want to do it that way if you want to say that there's a moral good in in the in the new deal and when they put in social security that made sense when they did it because the living age was 65 so but let's take care of the people that cannot because back then the 65 year olds that could work would still work they wanted to work that was implemented in their values. That's conservatism too. It's the, it's the desire to work for the want sake of work. to
0: be work. taken care of. If I, right. I really don't, unless like, but at the same time, if I become sick or feeble or whatever, and there's nobody around, you know, that I literally can't yeah. work at the mercy of, the last thing I want is to be euthanized by some person who decides I'm a little too white to continue to live. Right. That I don't, that social justice mandates that I don't get medicine.
1: Or you get a social credit score based upon what you what you supported on the tithe you put in the ballot box. Great. And and at the end, they 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 tally up your score and go, well, I don't think they would vote in the election the way that we want them to. So maybe we just won't give them the treatment. Maybe we won't give them the organ. Maybe we won't do that because it won't be, you know, and that's why I think Trump saved us by dismantling much of Obamacare, because if we would have had covid. And had that administrative health apparatus intact and expanded through a Hillary Clinton administration, we'd be done. We would be done. That's way it was supposed to go. I believe. I mean, it, 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 they How may not. App- I'm not saying they planned COVID. I just want to be clear. I'm not saying they planned COVID. But what they plan for is the eventuation of it. They know what's going to happen logically on a long enough timeline, and so they build the apparatus to take advantage of the crisis when it happens. It's not, it's not this, oh, I'm going to create this virus and the thing. It's we know, law of averages, in, in 100 years, every 100 years, you're going to have an event like this. So let's build the apparatus to take advantage of that event. That's what they were doing. And if it wouldn't have been for Trump, for all of his flaws, doing that, we would be uh, done. We'd be done. It'd be over. Because... Just think of the uh, the amount of things they can make you do if you had more than half of the country on government insurance and government medicine when they were mandating vaccines. You lose your insurance if you don't take the vaccine. You lose your insurance, you can't get your insulin. You can't get your chemotherapy. You can't get anything. And, and if the only place to get that now is from the government, why do you think Canada turned out the way it did? With 98% and, and, you know, where they were clamping down on the 2% that had the means or just the will not to. I mean, it's, it. and again, like, I, I think I spoke, I don't know if I mentioned it with you or with Carrie earlier, but it's a, the fortification of the election. It wasn't it wasn't the Sidney Powell cracking bull crap. It was what Time Magazine put out and said, hey guys, look, we fortified this and we're going to put it out there and we're going to say it first before you figure it out while you're distracted by the kraken it's it's you know what i mean and that becomes a preemptive narrative to say well what's wrong with that what's wrong with that and and it's they when when the wef and those who, who have said those things that they can actually hack the mind the software of the mind and get you to do things that you normally wouldn't do they mean it because it's
0: What do people think the SEL surveys and all the identity garbage is for? I take a kindergartner and I tell them what their identity markers are and then I encourage them through a whole series of psychological neuro-linguistic programming and manipulation to adhere to those markers, it's going to make it a lot easier for me not only to sell them the things I want them to buy, but to data mine them for their preferences in the future. It's going to be really hard to tell where their preferences end and my preferences begin because I've basically programmed them to have the preferences I really want them to have in the first Mm -hmm. place. And the cost Mm -hmm. of my, you know, big data research and all the things to market and sell the things I want to sell is going to go down dramatically because I don't actually have to persuade. I just have to show. I just have yep. to go, see, there's the thing you want. Oh, thank you. I want yep. three of them. So, yep. and oh, and conveniently you have the social credit score and the, and the universal basic income points to buy it. Thank you. So mm-hmm. I keep telling people like the SEL and all this grooming and all this stuff, it's not just about sex. Nope. It's about them mind effing you but mm-hmm. your children. And, you know, like you just said, yes, you absolutely can. You can do that. We don't need to have, you know, the great brain sitting at the central central intelligence agency on, on camazots and yeah. wrinkle in time. We have yeah. AI, we yep. have the, all these programs. And if they're taking surveys once a week, every week for nine months, a year, for 12 or 13 years of school, if you don't think the metaverse or whatever is going to know every last little thing about your child, your family, your home, your car, your pets,
1: you're as dreaming. A sci- as a society, we have we still have the line of little kids don't get their own devices with their own stuff on it, which is the, – the, our surveys are on Twitter with every click that we push. Our surveys are on YouTube. Facebook, everything that we feed into the algorithm gets spit back at us and, and reinforces what it is that we want. They needed a way to start that process earlier. Those are your SEL, just like you said, and, and they're going to monetize that.
0: Oh, they already are. They
1: want the information. Yeah, and and no, but but they're going to specifically do it for kids.
0: Don't think yeah,
1: that they, the, they've already done that.
0: that the, uh, it, go ahead. I'm, I'm all about free speech. But when I found out that in Sweden, it is illegal to advertise targeted at children. There was a little tiny piece of me that was like, I can maybe, I, I could maybe modify, <laughs> you know, I mean, here's the because thing.
1: I, I don't believe that we've, I like in terms of you defining conservatism. You can never have a communal society of any type without an imposition of values. The question is, is what values are we imposing? Because even the perceived lack, and this is the actual conversation I've had with people on the internet, but, but it's, it's the imposition of values. Okay. Even if you're taking something away, that's already in there. That's already there. So if we as conservatives want to defund and dismantle DEI, we are imposing our value on people who do not want it. That's the truth. Now, then the argument goes to, if we all accept, which I think the woke have accepted, they're trying to impose a certain value system. Mm -hmm. If they don't come out right and say that, they say that in myriads of other ways, but they want this value system imposed. Now, we want our value system imposed. History shows us, which is why they're trying to disrupt history and and and, and lensify it, so to speak, is that lens-ify. verifiably objectively we can show that the values that most conservatives, or at least that America was founded on, although imperfect, allowed us to become a more perfect human, and and the and all the technological and And medical and societal advances that we all live under are majorly done in the last 200 years since America imposed those values on the world. And Jefferson called it flames that spread over too much of the globe to be extinguished, that this these value system of freedom, not not unfettered freedom of speech, but unfettered freedom of of the right to say that my values will always go towards a more free uh, situation for the individual right? because we're all individually created by God, divinely inspired. Right. And that's, he called it nature's God, right? right. By nature. And so it's not the lack of the imposition of values. It's just which ones are actually the best. And that's where social, you know, cultural relativism does not, is, is, some way the most pernicious because it insists that because it is, therefore it is good. Right. Then if you were going to take that all the way around, that means that, well, white supremacy culture, as they call it, it is, therefore it is good. So now tell me why, which one that you always have to come back to, which one is better. That's the whole policy. That's why you have policies, what's going to work and what doesn't. Right. And so it's, I think we're. I'm getting a little bit off, but it's just what values are we going to espouse? Mm-hmm. Which ones give us the most freedom? Which ones mm-hmm. will give our children the opportunity not to be programmed, but to have the opportunity to build something for themselves mm-hmm. on their own terms as much as possible? Yeah. We had yeah. that and we're mm-hmm. losing it very, and I literally think seven years. Seven years from today, if we don't do something bold, which conservatives don't like to do bold things.
0: So Well, even if the bold thing we do, <laughs> you know what would be a bold thing right now is be a freaking conservative. And I mean, I don't consider myself like the conservative that people talk about. I consider the one I described. That's me. That I'm that girl. I'm not mm-hmm. the one who's kind of like, you know only conservative when it comes to like these three issues or whatever. No, for me, it's a it's a way of looking at problem solving and policymaking that has a very strong line, you know, with individual liberty. And then everything else is like it's not about status quo. It's about my faith in individuals to innovate and -hmm. solve problems incrementally, locally Mm -hmm. and so forth, because I look at history and that's how it worked at a time when you look at like the greatest growth in the United States, we had the least amount of regulation And we had individuals able to trade and do that. Were there fraudulent things going? Was there snake oil being sold? Yes, of course there Mm -hmm. was. But people and the market had a way of going, yeah, my friend got really sick from that snake oil. Don't buy it. Okay, I won't. And moving on, right? There wasn't, let's give a giant campaign campaign. To the guy that will cover up the fact that it actually is single, sound familiar? Anyway, yeah. So well, but
1: that, and that just just one time. There's the, that is the good argument for school choice, uh, the way that they define it, and that's why I'm saying I've always say I'm not anti school choice. Right, I'm not, and that's why I prefer it's to it.
0: call it educational freedom, or you know. Uh, something like deinstitutionalizing the management or administration of the education, whatever you want to call it. Like you guys want to pay for it. Super. You want to come up with a structure that pays for it where people aren't going to come yammering at you, but it's not fair. They get more money than we get. Okay. But don't put in an administrative middleman to do that. It's like, here's the money. Now go yell at your governor. Here's the money. Go yell at your city
1: council. And don't put in a corporate entity that is going to be more beholden to its bottom line than it is to its mission because, Correct. and that's, that's the other end because the definition of fascism is corporatism. Yes. It's the unification of government and private companies. And as we saw with COVID, if I, every ever there's so many applications I filled out where it's like, you have two questions. One is, do you agree with our DEI statement? And are you vexed? Automatically, if I answer those two incorrectly, I'm done. I won't even get a hearing. And if I do get a hearing, then I have to espouse those things. Even you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's it and there are already laws in place that could prevent that. But the people who are wanting to do something to keep their elections viable want to do something so they did it instead of just saying hey why don't we look at what we have on the books and use it
0: (laughs) you know what i mean it's like exactly and i mean that anyway so we could you and i could probably talk about this
1: forever yeah
0: all day i just hope that the audience gets the message that dei is the department of ideological enforcement (laughs) okay it's not anything else That Mm -hmm. is comparable to the commissars in Russia, the Maoist government, you know, agents in Mao's China, whichever you want, or even Hitler's little whatever he had. It doesn't matter really which version of totalitarian, you know, tentacles you wanna you you wanna compare it to. As Brett Weinstein says, you're in that section of the library. Okay, go pick Mm -hmm. whichever one you want, but that's what it is. It's not benign. There's not a nicer, gentler DEI. It doesn't belong there. It's a solution in search of a problem and lots and lots of money. It's a multibillion dollar industry um, that is making lots of people very, very rich and lots of children very best case confused, worst case suicidal. So we need to start there at your local level and wh- don't be fooled by the republican politician who may be engaging in what you're calling performative opposition where it's like yes i don't look at what i'm doing over here making money with it but you know here i'm opposed to it it's terrible it's terrible but you know yeah i did a deal with these guys but they're nicer no right
1: it has to go examine your own internal I think it's conscious bias to say, I'm going to be more likely to agree with this person because they have an R for their name or a D. Yeah. Tribalism. Right. It's it's tribalism. It, and, that, and that's conscious most of the time. It's like you go and seek out the things you want to hear and that's conscious, not unconscious. It's conscious. Yeah. So examine your conscious bias, not your unconscious bias.
0: It's not unconscious and, at all. When you're tribal, you are, it's a, it's a confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. I think X is, and I'm going to go mm-hmm. seek out the people who also think X so I can continue to feel good about myself. And it really, if you're if you're ruthlessly honest with yourself, that is not that dissimilar from what the woke do. So, nope. as we said at the outset of this conversation, being woke is not a matter of, you know, left or right or Democrat or Republican. It's a worldview. It's also a personal view of, of yourself. So if, you, if you're concerned with how children are forming their impression of self, their their version of that, first look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Who defines you? You're an yep. adult. You have the capacity for rational thought that a seven-year-old doesn't have. I right. would love to have everybody go look in the mirror at some point privately. You don't have to tell us you did it and just say like, how do I define me and where are those inputs? Are they coming from me or am I in any way beholden to external inputs to define me. And I mean, above mm-hmm. me, like, I'm a dad, I'm a husband. No, I mean, like I'm this kind of person. I'm a Republican. I'm a Christian. I'm a this, and that make sure those things are, you chose 100% of your own free will. And that you have, this is what I define as freedom. You have the right to continue to exist while saying no. Mm-hmm. So whatever that thing is, this is what I think of myself and how I see myself. If, if, you changed your mind tomorrow. And somebody in your life was like, oh, I thought you were this kind of person. Are you allowed to say no? And you say, Well, I changed my mind. Yep. Okay. Or looking at those things that you are, are you allowed to say no about them? That's mm-hmm. how you know if it was free will. But if you feel like well, I'll lose a friend, I'll lose my job. I won't have this. I won't have that. I'll have to give this up. I'll have to give that up if I stop having these, these biases, these these, these tribal affiliations, then you're not free. Yep. You're no, you are literally put chains on yourself. No one did it to you. Eleanor yeah. Roosevelt was famous for saying that. Like you can't be a doormat without lying down. Yep. So get up. Right.
1: That's exactly right. And don't be afraid if they're your friends to call out your friends. Right. That's the thing. If, the thing I've learned over the course of my life, my real friends, if we have a disagreement, we're still friends after the disagreement. Correct. You know what I mean? And, and if they're not, if they can't take it at all, or they insist that you are nothing more than a whiner or a crybaby or this, that, or the other, because you are being uh, critical of of the method, right? And then they they pejorativize you in the same way the woke would. That's my biggest thing. If I see you using a woke tactic, like a, a woke um, way of just turning it on them, right? Yeah. On, on, on in, within your own, because th- this isn't new. It's it's narcissists and psychopaths and, and abusers so have they, used they, these tactics for.
0: Just have widespread. It's just spread out now, and a lot of people think, well, that can't happen across time and space across million. Yes, it can, and it is, yeah. and and with the Mass internet, it's even easier. Uh, yep. Somebody needs to go write the novel or screenplay for the alternative history where Goebbels has the internet. Yeah. Okay. Because, and and for all we know, there is a Goebbels right now. We just don't, haven't identified him yet as Goebbels because we don't have the benefit of hindsight. But the point is that at the time, he had to wait for his messages to be printed on a printing press or go on a radio ch- show and not everybody had a radio. So we, mm-hmm. we, everybody's carrying this around. Everybody's looking at messages 24 hours a day. It is actually extraordinarily easy to tap into the part of your subconscious that will allow you to be fooled by yourself. That's why yeah. I said, you know, suggest this extra. We all do it. We fool ourselves into thinking that we are making choices and we don't check that. And that's yeah. where the tribalism comes from. Like, no, 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 these are my real beliefs that I'm a Republican. It's like, okay, cool. That's that's fine. It may well be true. But now go and ask yourself with this specific candidate or this specific leader or whatever, what they say they stand for. Is that what you stand for? Yeah. And then when somebody comes to you and says, tell me why I should support school choice or tell me about school choice, whatever, don't, don't be concerned about telling them why you support something. If you sense they're coming at you demanding that you sell them on your values. No, no, you you don't have any obligation to sell somebody on your values. That's the first mistake I think that a lot of conservatives make. They think that I have to defend what I am against this onslaught. No, I think it works much better to say, why aren't you? Why are you for force? Can you explain why you are for the government running your child's education tell me why you are for giving money to people who don't work tell me why you are Mm -hmm. like they want more stuff than you want you don't want anything ideally right Mm -hmm. you want to be left alone to live your life so don't defend i'd like to be left alone that's the end of the conversation
1: right well and that goes into the argument i hear all the time that you know and there's credence to it it's not holy false at all but but that you can't be just against something and you uh, you have to be for something well being for you can be for a lack of action yeah right you know you don't have to be we have imbibed this new deal way of thinking that in order to right you do something well no sometimes not doing something is the best thing to do but and conservatives are weird animals. They they they, they want to look like they're doing something without doing anything. That's the thing, and that's the dangerous part. It's it, because progressivism, by definition, always progresses left. It always does yeah.
0: because it has no limit. Right. That's the direction you go where there's no limit. Now people say, well, the right. right. That's why I don't like right and left. But there's one side that has a limit. There's like a little line you can bump into it and bounce off the wall. Individual mm-hmm. rights. Individual right. rights. The other one's mm-hmm. like full steam ahead off the cliff. You know, there's nothing there to stop you. And, and because there's nothing there to stop you, it will keep going until you hit tyranny. It, right. it, 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 unless these people jump in front of the moving train and say, all right, you've, you've had enough that that's enough. We're done now. Go home. It they'll just keep going. That's yep. the, 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 the most, the, the most important lesson I learned in understanding Policy making, politics, whatever, and I learned it pretty early. Like probably college was that fact that people who say they want change perpetually are never going to be satisfied if their first impulse when looking at a problem is change something. Um, there's, there's no fixing it. There will there, right. wherever they go, there they are. Yep. That's so it. if your your first impulse should be understand something, and when it comes to These issues of how to save education, fix education, provide education, put whatever word on it that you want, okay, your first goal uh, to be even consistent with education is understand what's happening. And that requires time and lots of study and reflection. And people say, but all the kids in the meantime, they're going to be helping them. And I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. That's how it works. That's how, just like right now, they're rushing full steam ahead. We know doing irreparable harm to millions of children without even a care in the world that they're being unethical and experimenting on children to see if this works. And no one is stopping and saying, what about the kids going through the solution? How bad that might be? No, it's always assumed that progress equals good. Yep. And yep, we have yeah. of evidence the contrary, yeah. don't we?
1: Going for you, you, always hear you know, the the clip forward. That's the big thing for progressive you know, Let's move forward. Well, sometimes if you run if you're going towards a cliff, do you keep moving forward? No, right. you don't. <laughs> I mean it, and, and they Well, we don't
0: we don't think we're going towards a cliff. It's like you didn't even look. Right. Like, how do you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just forward. <laughs> you might as well you know? have blinders on. Right.
1: Right. That's right. That's right. So
0: anyway, so, I, I can't thank you enough. This was, this was no. great. This was really interesting. I hope people take it to heart and, and really uh, take a long look at themselves and at their elected officials, seriously consider the administrative state and how it, you need to hire people that is who are absolutely hell bent on dismantling it. There are people mm-hmm. out there who are find them yep. and, you mm-hmm. know, help them get into these positions if you can, if they're for real. And um And hopefully people will share this broadcast uh, with others who would be interested in learning more about how all this works. Um, I will try to clip Parsons of this. This was pretty long, guys. And I know everybody's been asking me for clips. I Mm -hmm. will try to get to it. As I've mentioned many times on my various platforms, I am my own producer. I am my own everything. So (laughs)
1: it's a
0: a a a little bit, you know, a lot of things going on, but I will give it my best shot and try to get this out onto the audio podcast by early next week and get come up with some clips because there's a lot of just amazing stuff that you've given us today. And follow Unwokable. Your your Twitter is- Yeah, I need not- to fix
1: this, but it, it's ACS against CRT. But if you search Unwokable without an E, so it's U-N-W-O-K-Able.
0: Okay, so ACS. Against- Against CRT. CRT. Okay. So mm-hmm. that is the um, Twitter. The Twitter. Yes. ACS against CRT. Okay. So you mm-hmm. can follow Unwokable there or you can type in Unwokable and you'll find it. But that's, I mean, if you're trying to get straight there. And also, um I got
1: a Substack. It's unwokable.substack.com and then a YouTube. Okay. It's Unwokable as well. So
0: there you go so uh, you can follow what's going on there and, and if you're in Oklahoma, I want to
1: give this plug because James Lindsay when we're talking about if you want an in-depth uh, if you want an in-depth study or uh, explanation about what Dei is, um, I put up a video of James's talk here at the University of Oklahoma during Dei week um, where he, Nails down exactly how they're commissars, why they're commissars. And that's on my channel. So it's about an hour and a half long. And it's he called it his best talk he's ever given. So that's I'm sure awesome. he's given us something. Right. So
0: we'll have to go, uh, go check it And, see that see out. That. and if, if you guys can indulge me like one more second, I want to show off my new shirt since I've got your attention here. I got a new shirt today. And it says, huh. you Rourke. This is Howard Rourke <laughs> from Fountainhead. And this shirt was designed by my friend Kieran White and um i have a discount code you can go to his teespring i'm going to put the link um in the uh in the chat there and if you type in all lowercase education you can get discounts on all kinds of merch that he has there um i have my i have a discount available in my description for books through heroes of liberty which are great books for kids um and adults i have my thomas soul book and i absolutely love it it's beautiful and they make fantastic gifts but you can also get a subscription and they have new ones coming out i think you're gonna have maggie thatcher and different people so these are ways you can support us creators because many of these programs as i'm sure you know Unwokable, um get demonetized (laughs) so it's like can you make clips can you do this can you do that i'm like sure Yeah. Anyway, you know how it goes. As soon as I get to it. Anyway, Mm -hmm. thank you so much again. And stick around for a second after we sign off. I'll just uh finish up. All right. Bye, everybody.
1: Bye.